Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and as always I'm sitting here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hi Jess, hi Dave. Hi Matt, hi Dave. Hello. Oh man, I panicked. Could you tell? <laughs> yeah. Both in tone of voice and, and flashing eyes. Yeah, and the sweats. I was like, fuck, I've forgotten your names. It has <laughs> um, been a while, we haven't recorded since... Last night, yeah. <laughs> when we put out a uh, a Patreon bonus episode today, which is the third one for the month, people are interested. They can hear Matt's report on a terrifying plane incident. Yes, what's it called? All four engines failed. Yeah, I got all engines failed. <laughs> so uh, a can, wild story. You can check that out at patreon.com slash do go on pod. And while I'm here telling people about other stuff they can get involved with, before we crack into this week's episode, we should say that we have four more. Online live streamed shows coming up. Yes. We had such a good time doing them last time. Um, and so we thought, hey, let's do some more. That's just our thought process. I just wanted to give you a little peek behind the curtain there. <laughs> That's just how it came about. Yeah. And uh, the first one is on July 18. Then we've got July 25. These are Saturdays at 12 o'clock Melbourne time. But you can work out where, where they'll be. You can watch them live anywhere in the world. Uh, Saturday, August 1st. And that is also our 250th episode. Mm. Uh, we'll have a little after party that you'll be invited to if you come to the stream for that. And uh, all the other episodes, they have a little uh, bonus section as well. So you, you hear the episode for about an hour, but we w- do a lot of other waffling and talking and chatting for at least another hour. Yeah, I was going to suggest, Dave, maybe one of the other episodes, you could do a quiz for us in the second half. It'll okay, be love exclusive to. to the stream. Exclusive quiz. Yeah, that sounds fun. Can, can you stop saying if you come to the stream? Because I'm going to get... Confused, and I'm going to turn up at our local stream. Oh, okay. Ready to pod, 
It's going to be the wrong place. What are you, what are you, the Maribyrnong? Yeah, it's the Maribyrnong Stream. <laughs> of course. The Yarra Stream, just mm. up the road. Well, uh, without further ado, we really should get cracking on what we do best, and that is... Uh, tell people to buy tickets at <laughs> sospresents.com. <laughs> Link in the description. You can buy, uh, pay for three episodes and get to come to all four. See you in the stream. I was wondering what uh, what I was going with when I said what we do best, because it's certainly not this podcast, but um, <laughs> anyway, we should do it all the same. I think the, friendship is what we do yes. best. Yes. Well, let's get on with our friendship via this podcast. <laughs> so the way it works is if you listen to the first time, one of the three of us goes away and really researches a topic, dives in, oils up, lathers mm-hmm. in information. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally, the topic's been suggested by a listener. Then we come back and we tell the other two all about what we learnt in the form of a report while the other two sit and sort of just interrupt a bit and try to have a bit of fun and just, you know, have a good time to catch up as friends. And that's annoying for some people. But for others, they <laughs> some, love it. Some people hate friendship. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Anyway, this week, Jess is the one who's been doing the research. She's brought the report back to Dave and I today and she's going to kick off with a question. What is the question this week, Jess? The question is, what event went on to be referred to as the miracle in the Andes? Oh my God, I started listening to the audiobook with that exact title last week. Oh, <gasps> the miracle in the Andes. Well, you probably know it. Is it the one where the soccer team ate each other? That is. <laughs> I mean, that's... <laughs> 50% so right. close. Oh. Rugby team. Oh. <laughs> That's right. Um, the uh, Uruguayan rugby team. Uh, which is why when you were telling us the story about a plane crash last night, I felt very tense because we were putting out two plane crash episodes in the space of two days. Uh, I'm more comfortable with that because... Uh, fantastic report, by the way. Uh, topic, by the way. We'll get to that in a sec. But I'm comfortable doing back-to-back plane crashes because... The world is flying a lot less at the moment. Yeah. Yes. So chances are, some people are still flying, but chances are you won't be on a plane for a while. Yeah. Unless you listen to this in the future when oh, yeah, plane about, travel is normal again. But for that. us in the room, uh, I'll forget about this tomorrow and then I won't be on a plane for a while after that. And next you week. Want, you also won't play rugby for a while. That's true. Um, or eat a friend. So <laughs> 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 anyway, a little spoiler for a... A little later on. Um, So this is the story. So in October of 1972, the old Christians Club rugby union team from Montevideo in Uruguay was scheduled to play... Montevideo? Is that right? I I think... uh, I regret bringing this up. (laughs) But I did think, and I might be wrong, that it was Montevideo. Am I wrong? I I really regret as soon as I spoke. I'm like, shut the fuck up, Matt. (laughs) Anyway, can you edit that bit out and just keep going with the very first sentence of the report? But now I want to know, what is it, Dave? I've said Montevideo. Is it like Rodeo Rodeo? Some people, potato oh, potato. That's, that's true. And I definitely, yeah, I saw in a, in a video they said it like Montevideo, but it could have been an American man saying that, so who knows. Luckily, <laughs> it won't an come American up much. <laughs> it won't come up much beyond this okay great so it's good to just get past it but i do regret bringing it up i just want that on the record thank goodness (laughs) they were scheduled to play a match against the old boys club which was an english rugby team in santiago in chile the team charted what no objections matt no objections there (laughs) but i do love the idea that this uh this football team's Literally call themselves a boys club. Well, a bit of a boys club. <laughs> well, the old boys club over here. What is this? What is this bloody the uh, 
Australian government um, uh, bloody cabinet meeting room. Am Does I right? Boys club. Oh, I really got that out yeah, nice and sharply, <laughs> didn't I? Took and got them. You absolutely took them down. <laughs> took them down. <laughs> so they chartered a Uruguayan Air Force twin turboprop Fairchild uh, FH-227D. I think we all know. I hear that and I think that plane will never crash. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, Dave? A lot of people would think that. It sounds good. Um, Too big to fail. So they, they, <laughs> they chartered this plane to fly them over the anti. Or Andes to Santiago. And days. <laughs> and days. Um, it's a small plane. Generally, they can carry between 44 and 52 passengers. Um, the pilot was a man named Colonel Julio Cesar Faradas. My, again, my life is in his hands. I could not be any more confident in this Right? Story. Firstly, he's a colonel. Colonel. Uh, and his name is amazing. And you just hear, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, yeah. this is your captain, uh, Julio Hazar. Uh, I am a colonel uh, speaking. Uh, I'd be like, take me wherever you need to go, Cap. No worries. I'm just going to pull down the shutter on the window and fall asleep here. Yeah. <laughs> wake, wake up. Wake me when we get there. Santiago. He was an experienced Air Force pilot who had over 5,000 flying hours. That seemed incredibly impressive to me. In a documentary I watched... An American Air Force guy was like, you know, in today's standards, that's not that much. And I'm like, okay, well, this was in 1972 and you're talking quite recently. Maybe things have changed. I mean, many... 5,000 is still a lot, isn't many it? Many hours have passed since 1972. Yeah. So, I think he was just, you know, he was just poking holes in the story. Yeah, the Colonel didn't have access to all these hours we've had since then. Yeah. Right? His hours were limited to his lifetime. Yeah, just to that point and before. But we've had, you know, the next, what, nearly 50 years. Damn right. Yep. His co-pilot was Lieutenant Colonel Dante Hector Laguara. Well, this is going to be an episode of real good names. Yes, and I'm probably going to butcher a few of them, but I'm doing my best. Um, There are a few spare seats on the flight, about 10 spares. Um, So some of the team members invited friends and family members to come along on the trip. Mm. Um, (laughs) You'd you'd feel pretty guilty about that, wouldn't you? Well, not at the time. No, no, sorry. At the time, you're like, well, this will be lovely. Jumping ahead from what I've heard. It's a scheduled four-day trip. They're just going Thursday to Monday, lovely long weekend. And one of the guys called his mum, called his sister, said, hey, pack a bag. You're coming to Chile. And they were like, yay, you know. It's a nice time. Should I bring food and stuff? No, nah, you won't need it. You won't need it. We're going to Chile. It's a short flight. Um, so in total, there were 40 passengers and five crew members on board. Now, the aircraft departed um, on the 12th of October, 1972, with a storm front over the, but, but a storm front over the Andes forced them to stop overnight in Mendoza in Argentina. Mendoza. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Uh, early Simpsons reference there. <laughs> they were set to depart the next day. And while um, there is a direct flight path from Mendoza 200 kilometres to the west to Santiago, uh, it's like quite direct. But the high mountains require uh, a plane to fly at a higher altitude. And given that it was a smaller plane and it was full, it was pretty standard procedure for a smaller plane to take a longer 600 kilometre, 90 minute U shaped route where they basically fly south then head west and then turn north to Santiago. They do a little U instead of just straight across. Right. But that's pretty standard. There's nothing weird about that. It was just size of the plane. Let's just do it this way. It sounds like the safer option. Yeah. Yes. So they skip around the highest peaks of the Andes. They go round rather than over, you know? Like that book. Yeah. <laughs> Can't go over it. Going on a bear hunt. Well, go around it. Thank you. Why could I not remember going on a bear hunt? What, has it, has it been like... 20 years since you watched Play School or something. What a loser. <laughs> I wasn't watching Play School when I was 10. Oh. It's been easily 25 years. 
genuinely, this is a thing I remember from uh, prep, first year of, of school here. Um, I was chatting to some new friends and I loved play school. And one of them said, like, play school's for little kids. I mean, you're five fucking years old. You are a little kid. Because play school's for little kids. And I genuinely said, I know, I only watch it for the arts and crafts. (laughs) (laughs) That's very good. (laughs) Uh, That's all I watch it for. I loved it. I watch it for John. Real wag. Fuck, what I a wag. John. John was, John was your favourite? Yeah. Simon John was, was everyone's favourite. Benita, obviously. Benita, obviously. Noni, hello. A uh, big fan of uh, my namesake, David. Oh, of course. You, you were named after him or you just yes. have the same name? No, I was named after him. Okay, that doesn't sound I, uh, real. I was born George, but I demanded to change. <laughs> Shatter, we didn't live through the... Jay Lagaya era. Ugh. What a man. Yes. Oh, what a man. Yeah. I mean, you're in Star Wars, you're in Play School. You're in Water Rats. Well, <laughs> the big three. Yeah. You've done it all. Anyway, that's a weird sidetrack there. Love it. Anyway, so they're, they're set to take off the next day after a stopover in Mendoza. So the weather that morning was still less than desirable after the storm the day before, but conditions were set to improve by the afternoon. So the pilot decided to wait, and the plane eventually departed at 2.18pm on Friday the 13th. Of October. Oh. Which is famously a perfect day to fly. Evil day. Why is that? What's the history there? I don't I, know why. I, I imagine it's this this story. Yeah, it's gonna be to do with the thirteenth, right? Yeah. Sure. That's an unlucky number. Well, why Friday? Yeah, Friday you think great, Friday. Oh. Mm. Um actually it's Friday wasn't always the first day of the weekend. It used to be death day. Right, they used to yeah. kill people on Fridays. Yeah, yeah, it used to be uh, killing the business and business is good. And if it was the 13th, then they'd double the amount of people they killed. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Makes sense to me. Yep. Um, so the pilot, Faradas, had flown across the Andes 29 times previously. He'd done it He'd done it many times. But by modern standards, that's not many times. Yeah, it's like yawn, whatever. Oh, God, we've all done it. <laughs> but on this flight, he was training his co-pilot, La Guara, who was the pilot in command, so he's in charge today. The pilots had plotted a course south to the pass of Planchon, where the aircraft could cl- could safely clear the Andes. Approximately an hour after takeoff, the pilot notified air c- traffic controllers that he was flying over the pass, and shortly thereafter he radioed that he had reached Curicho, uh, or Curico in Chile, some 110 miles south of Santiago, and that he'd turned north. The pilot, however, had misjudged the location of the aircraft. Cloud coverage meant they weren't able to visually confirm their location, so while they thought they were over the pass, the plane had actually turned north straight into the heart of the Andes. So they've turned right too soon. They haven't passed the Andes. Yeah. Right, so it's supposed to be like a clear bit, and now they're going to fly yeah. into the really tall peaks. Yep. So they've just misjudged it. Yeah, by a lot. By quite a bit. Bugger. So as the aircraft started to descend, because they, you know, they were starting to descend for uh, landing, severe turbulence tossed the aircraft up and down. The rugby players initially joked about the turbulence. Um, one of the players, 19-year-old Roberto Canessa, recalls, rugby players like to fool around and, and play macho. So we were throwing around rugby balls and singing a song, Conga, 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 the plane is dancing Conga. (laughs) (laughs) The next thing, someone looked out the window and said, aren't we flying too close to the mountains? Realising his mistake, the pilot began to climb. 
until the plane was nearly vertical and it began to stall and shake. Oh, <laughs> shit. Wait, only when the rugby player said something no, did the pilot notice? No, obviously seen it at the same okay. time. Or, yeah. So wow. it's as they, they're they starting to... Because it's so much cloud coverage, they think they're just right. over chilly so and it's fine. this is still the, mo- the experienced colonel is doing the work. This isn't like the understudy taking no, the, the reins understudy. for a bit. Yeah, oh, it is. is the understudy. Yeah, yeah. Right. So he's, he's the oh, pilot man. in command for this flight. Because he's learning. And, they... the, and the colonel's like, no, he needs to learn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could say something. I could save us all, but... But he'll never learn that way. Yeah. No, he'll never forget this way. <laughs> Obviously, I mean, they must have been working together and both have made this mistake. I don't know. Um, so the pilot was able to bring the aircraft nose over the ridge, but at 3.34pm, the lower part of the tail cone clipped the ridge oh. at... Uh, 13,000 feet. Oh, so just clipped it. Just clipped it. Oh, so like a split second earlier they realised yeah, they might have made it. Oh, but then, that yeah. sucks. So by clipping the, the ridge, the rear portion of the fuselage, including two rows of seats in the rear section of the passenger cabin, the galley, baggage hold, vertical stabiliser and horizontal stabilisers, not sure what that is, they're all gone. They sound important. They do sound important. So it left this gaping hole in the rear of the fuselage. Three passengers, the navigator, and the steward were lost with the tail section. Oh, so shit. So five people Just out the back. Out the back. And now they're all, Instant like, dead, I imagine. Yeah. Jeez. I would say, yeah. I don't know. I really don't know much about this story at all, obviously, because the first thing I thought it was a soccer. T- I always thought it was. A, I've heard it referred to it as a football team, so I think I assume. So. I think there was a, there was another story. With a soccer team. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm confusing too. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm wondering now, Is was that, it seemed bad luck for them, but is it the kind of thing where it's like, well, they, it was over quickly for them? And Maybe. the others are as long and drawn out and more. Right, anyway, I guess I'll find out. <laughs> so the next collision um, severed the right wing and the aircraft continued forward and upward another 200 metres or 660 feet for a few more seconds. When the left wing was torn off. Oh, my so God. So now they've got no wings, which arguably quite important. So now they're basically like a missile. Yeah. So the um, one of the propellers sliced through the fuselage as the wing it was attached to was severed and two more passengers fell out the open rear of the, of the fuselage. The front portion of the fuselage flew straight through the air before sliding down a steep slope at 350 kilometres an hour, 220 miles per hour, like a high-speed toboggan for about 725 metres before colliding with a snowbank. So it's come to a very sudden halt. The impact against the snowbank crushed the cockpit and the two pilots inside, which killed uh, the Colonel Theratus. Oh, man. The plane fuselage came to a rest on an unnamed glacier. Later it was called Glacier of Tears. Um, not sure if related, but seems appropriate. <laughs> Um, it's in the remote mountainous border between Chile and Argentina. The aircraft was 80 kilometres or 50 miles east of its planned route. So they're way off oh, course. Oh, right. That is, a, that is a fair distance, even in plane years. In plane years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I didn't realise how uh, brutal this was, even though I, I did. <laughs> it's funny how at the start I said soccer players eating each other. In my head, not that, not that uh, full on of a story, but obviously that... <laughs> The story's not going to... It doesn't just jump to that. Yeah. But this is... I didn't... It's such a violent crash. I'm thinking... Yeah. They landed. No. And then things... 
uh, got rough. So it started so violently, and it happened pretty suddenly. And it, I mean, it, and it also sounds terrible. Like obviously, that's a horrific crash. But also, I think it's like the chances of them even tobogganing down and then actually having any stop. Yeah, it's kind of that is it is a miracle that they didn't all just die, right? Right. Uh, yeah, like, like yeah. they lost the the back of the plane, they lost the wings, and then they're flying with nothing for that yes. to go right into oh, that is not, so very true to go into yeah. a mountain. Yeah. in that area, it's like oh, that's. I mean, you got to take the <laughs> something totally. good. Yeah, the fuselage half full. Well, in, um, <laughs> which, it, which it sadly now was. Um, in one of the the docos that I saw, they were sort of talking about that because it's sort of like the the pilot must have been aiming for this kind of ridge, like a, a bit of a gap between two ridges. So the wing was taken off, but if it had just been like a a solid, you know, mountain or something, the whole plane just would have disintegrated. Yeah, right. all gone in a second. Yeah. So the colonel's last act really. Even though he kind of got him into that trouble, he did save lives, at least initially. I guess so, yeah. With his quick thinking. So the Chilean Air Search and Rescue Service, called SARS, um, (laughs) was notified within the hour that the flight was missing. A search for the missing plane was launched, but it soon became clear that the last reported location was incorrect. So then they're sort of widening their search. Oh, right. So they're... They thought they were in a different spot. That's yeah. why they've turned early, and they've also reported that wrong. Exactly. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, they listened to the radio transmissions and concluded the aircraft had come down in one of the most remote and inaccessible areas of the Andes. So basically, the pilot had checked in with air traffic control and said, I'm here, I'm turning, uh, I'm turning south, I'm turning west. I'm here, I'm turning west. And then he radioed in three minutes later saying, okay, I'm at this point now and I'm turning north. Whereas that stretch should take 11 minutes. But they apparently did it in three. So he'd really misjudged. So that's, I think that's how they figured it out by listening to the radio transmissions. They were sort of like, well, that's too close together. Right. That you must actually be here. So rescue teams shifted their attention to the Andes, but they were searching for a white plane on a snowy mountain. Oh, dear, that's difficult to do. On the second day, 11 aircraft from Argentina, Chile and Uruguay searched for the downed flight. So the first, it was like the afternoon when um, the plane crashed and so they searched until it was dark and then they started again the next day with 11 planes. So the crash initially killed 12 people, leaving 33 survivors, a number of whom were injured. Uh, Gustavo Zabino and Roberto Canessa, who was the 19-year-old I mentioned before, were both second-year medical students and they acted quickly to assess the severity of people's injuries. Nando Parado had a skull fracture and was presumed dead. His body was moved to outside the fuselage with the, with the other dead bodies, but within a few days he started moving, what? alerting his fellow survivors that he was in fact alive. Oh. Isn't that crazy? So he's the one that the book that, I'm, that I was listening mm. to is, is about, and he talks about how he thinks that, because I've only listened to the first bit, so I'm not going to jump in with all these. <laughs> well, actually, Jess, in the book that he wrote, so I've only heard the first bit, which is about the crash, and uh, he talks about how, yeah, he had this skull fracture, Really, really bad. But he thinks one of the reasons he may have survived is because because he was outside. Yep. The freezing 
uh, he, he that may have done well for the brain swelling. Yes. Oh. Yep, is... I saw that in a doco. So a doctor was saying that oh. by serendipity, the hypothermic conditions were, was actually exactly what his type of brain injury needed. Oh. Isn't that amazing? But then he also, I don't know if, you've, if he said this, and he said when he touched his head, he pushed down and he could feel soft and he realised... That's, I'm touching my brain. Yeah. Uh, you don't want that. Which is... <laughs> it was what a, not Yeah, good. That's, I would call that a really unpleasant experience. Yeah. But he remained in a coma for three days. But yeah, by chance, probably being out in the cold was what kept him alive. Amazing. Which is incredible. There's um, quite a few miracles already. Yeah. And it, it keeps going. It keeps getting worse <laughs> and worse. And, but there's little glimmers of hope sometimes. Right. Don't, don't worry, Matt. I've heard this guy on an audio book. Okay. Yeah. So what does That's that tell you? Sign. What does that tell you? So the survivors saw multiple planes flying overhead and tried to get their attention, even attempting to write SOS in lipstick on the top of the fuselage. I mean, desperate times. But they realised that, A, they didn't have enough lipstick to be seen from the air and that cloud coverage and snow made them invisible to the planes overhead. That would be so frustrating, yes. planes flying over you and they can't see you. I would also assume that, you know, they, so in their minds they're going, the pilots are flying overhead going, oh, look at that crashed plane down there. Well, no message on it. Let's keep yeah. flying. Oh, there's a, wait, that crashed plane says SOS. We better do something about it. Surely, like, the crashed plane is enough of a message. Yeah. Oh. I mean, that plane looks fine from here. <laughs> Yeah, where it's wings. Don't worry about it. Um, so <laughs> I meanwhile, can see that man's brain. <laughs> <laughs> from the planes, those searching for the the crashed plane had little hope of anyone's chance of survival. Back on the ground, the surviving passengers removed the broken seats and other debris from the aircraft so they could use a fuselage as a makeshift shelter. During the first night, five more passengers died, including the co-pilot who was stuck in the cockpit. Oh, that's one of the nastiest bits of the. The book is like yeah. they couldn't get him out. They can't oh. get him Dashboarded, out. pushed up against him, yeah. and he was stuck. Oh I think he asked at one point for a like there was a there's a gun on board, and he said, "Get the gun and kill me." And they didn't. No, they didn't. Oh. Which is awful. Oh, and there was um, also the not their decision is awful. Just the situation he's oh. in is yeah. awful. Yeah, there's also a lady pinned under the chairs. Did they talk about that at all? No, I didn't. It I was didn't like someone's that. mum or something. Oh no, she just she'd paid to go with them. Yes. Uh, she was an old, basically an older lady and she was pinned under the chairs and they couldn't get her out and she just died under there. <laughs> was, oh, oh, she was, man. she got, somebody dropped out of the flight so there was a spare seat so she paid to come so she could go to her daughter's wedding. Yeah, oh, <laughs> it's so oh tough. It's God. awful. And I also just want to point out that this is an awful and incredibly bleak story and it's the saddest of the four topics I put up to the Patreon. <laughs> And it was a tight race, but this won by one vote. One and vote. also, 30 people who were eligible did not vote. So if you don't like this topic, you have the power to choose. Yeah, that's right. If you're on that Patreon level, you get to uh, basically <laughs> dictate what we talk about. I mean, it's Every it, vote counts. It is an amazing story. Anyway, so the 28 who remained crammed themselves into the broken fuselage in a space about 2.5 by 3 metres. So a really small space. How many people? 28 people. That just—that was the size of my childhood bedroom, my bungalow. Twenty-eight people in there. Yeah, and I was just me in there by myself. And Once bit I cramped was or sixteen. Um, yeah, it was. It wasn't big even for like I could only fit a, a single bed in there. Yeah. And there's twenty. That's amazing. I mean, in uh, COVID regulations, they really should have only three people in there. So right, that's a good point. So that's they used. 
Luggage, sheets and snow as a wall to close off the open end of the fuselage, sort of to keep some of the cold out. Um, and uh, one of the survivors named Fito Strouch figured out a way to collect drinking water by getting pieces of sheet metal from under the seats and placing it on the snow, placing snow on it, sorry, and then the sun sort of melted the snow a little bit and they just sort of funneled it into wine bottles. It's amazing that these are the stories where you go, oh, this is what humanity can do in the the roughest scenarios. They're figured out they're making walls out of snow. Mm. Uh, Yeah, I'm... They're lucky in some ways they've got some medical students. Yeah. Second year. They've yeah. got some knowledge. But I always think about how in that situation, how useless I am. I'm so impractical. I would never think of something like a series of things no. that, we, that trip into wine bottles. I would lie down and wait to die. <laughs> I'd be like, well, I'm done. And I'd then, be useless. And then people would be like, well, Jess, uh, lying down outside in the snow actually saved your life. Yeah. I'm like, fuck! <laughs> Let me go. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's wild. I think I would be completely useless. This same guy also fashioned sunglasses out of sun visors from the pilot's cabin, uh, also using wire and a bra strap because uh, they'd get um, snow blind. Oh, right. I, thought, so he, I thought it was for fashion. He made some sunnies. They only had like a few pairs, but they shared them around. Before then, sunglasses didn't exist. Yeah, he invented invented sunglasses. sunglasses. People don't know that. So they removed seat covers um, from all the seats, obviously, and they used them for warmth. The captain of the rugby team, a man named Marcelo Perez, naturally assumed the position of leader. And Nando Parado, who I mentioned was in the coma before for three days, woke from his coma to learn that his mother had died in the crash and that his 17-year-old sister, Susanna Parado, was severely injured. Um, he looked after – he's only like 22, 23. All, like, keep that in mind as well, which I did not think about much until I basically finished the report. I'm like, these are young men. It's a rugby team. They're very young. Uh, so he, uh, Nando looked after – he did his best to look after his sister, um, but sadly she passed away on their eighth day. Oh. Eight days. Night was the hardest time for them as temperatures dropped to minus 30 degrees Celsius. Which is uh, minus 22 Fahrenheit. Say again, how cold it is? Minus 30. That is... So, last night, it was five degrees here and we were pretty cold walking uh, we to We were cars. bitching about it. <laughs> so, it's 35 degrees colder I than we. that. It was definitely me bitching. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And they're not dressed in snow gear either, are they? Not at all. <laughs> they, well, they're dressed for summer. Yeah, some of them were in shorts and it's stuff. It's October, so it's not... Like it's it's southern. It's like here. It's it's springtime. And I think Montevideo was autumn for them. And where oh no, it's southern south mm. southern hemisphere. Yeah, springtime. And I think where they're, where they're from is also uh, it's a pretty arid climate. So they don't. Where, where is, so where are we? I'm I'm pretty dodgy with uh, the, Andes, the equator. Well, they're just they're south of it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, there you go. No, I looked at Dave. Yes. Um, wait. Yeah. Wait. What? Yeah. What? What country did they crash in? They're in, but they're on the border of Chile and Argentina. Right. Oh, okay. Yes. Coming from Argentina's, Uruguay. Like Argentina's the long one down the west coast of South America. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'm with you. That's more than I knew. Um, I'm really. Be- I've got to get better at geography. Maybe I need to download some kind of geography game. Yeah. I've been. I'm working myself. on it with some of that stuff as well. Mm. I've been working through the American states, like I was telling you the other week. Yep. And yeah, I think. It, South America, my old man's been doing it. He goes through South American 
countries alphabetically when he's going to like as an exercise to get to sleep, and then he and then he goes through the countries and their capital cities. Whoa, that's great. Yeah, so I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna do next. I've done the American States ones. I've sort of mastered that. No, that's sort of brag. <laughs> Easy yeah. peasy. So I'm gonna move on to South America. Work my way around the globe. Yeah, so it's like it's it's warm weather and also Uruguay, I think I heard one of them say that like it's maybe 5,000, the altitude is, five, I don't know, like it's it's beat, it's ocean. They're not, they've never seen snow. Right. And now they're stuck in the mountains right. in shorts or like in, yeah, in. I, I'm surprised that people are able to survive even that long, even if you're going in there healthy, like without injuries yeah totally so it's amazing like the man with his brain out his head yeah lasted without food or anything any attention for two days in negative 30 degrees yeah and you said that was celsius yeah negative 30 celsius negative i, I can't even comprehend that i know <laughs> i'm guys... such a sook if it's like 10 degrees i'm i'm grumpy <laughs> and you guys laugh at me on a plane when you're in tracksuit pants and I'm wearing a three-piece suit. <laughs> yeah, you do dress up, but I mean, we're Dave, wearing, wearing tracksuit pants. We're wearing comfortable, warm clothes. In my bag, I have uh, six fur jackets. Okay, so you can share. Oh, you got to wear six yourself. <laughs> it's minus thirty. But have you got? Have you purposely bought them in a range of sizes so they go from like tight fitting to very big, so you can put them on properly? No, I brought them in an array of colours so I don't get bored. <laughs> okay, as you layer up each each morn. Yes, <laughs> it's a winter's morn. Right, Roger that. Um, so cold though. Wow. See, yeah, like I was saying, most of the team members had never seen snow before, and none had experienced. Uh, none had experience at such high altitude. They had no equipment, no warm clothing. For food, they had eight chocolate bars, a tin of mussels, three small jars of jam, a tin of almonds, a few dates, candies, dried plums, and several bottles of wine. Because keep in mind as well, it's a 50-seater plane. It's it's not a big commercial jet where you could maybe... I'm thinking of Lost, where they like really raided the food. Sounds Um, like the worst in-flight menu ever, though. Totally. But uh, yeah, really, it feels like food that a sports team would have. It's all like... The, the kind of food you eat during a game and stuff, isn't it? They love you know, to a bit snack. of sugars and yeah. those little orange slices. Yeah, a bit of low GI, you know, really get you through the game. There's one of those uh, tubs full of cordial to pour over the coach, <laughs> and they still do it, the even though they thing, could drink yeah. it. But then, no, out of respect, they pour it on the coach, and he's uh, frozen in five minutes. <laughs> um, they were on a snow-covered mountain, so there was no, there were no animals or vegetation they could source for food. So this is all they have. They um, they found a small transistor radio jammed between seats of the aircraft and um, one of the passengers, Roy Harley, improvised a very long antenna using electrical cable from the plane. So, But a transistor radio isn't like a two-way, so they, they can maybe hear some messages every now and then, but it's not super helpful. After rescue parties had been searching for the plane for about eight days, it was concluded that the search was hopeless that they'd hoped to find the bodies in summer when the snow melted. It was a few days later, either on the 10th or 11th day, that the survivors heard via the radio that the search for them had been called off a few days earlier. That's got a dash morale. Yeah, big time. Um, The search is called off. Here's the latest one from Bon Jovi. (laughs) (laughs) It's my life. Everyone's singing along. (laughs) 
I love this song though, but I'm really sad. There was an author called uh, Piers Paul Reed, and he wrote a book called Alive, the story of the Andy survivors, which was later adapted to, into the film Alive. Oh, yes, I've heard of that. Yeah. Um, because of a, The Simpsons? Maybe. <laughs> no thanks to the plane. Some of us are still alive. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a little excerpt from his book about when they found out. He wasn't there, by the way, but just with the interviews and stuff. So he says... The others who had clustered around Roy, upon hearing the news, began to sob and pray, all except Nando, who looked calmly up at the mountains which rose to the west. Uh, Gustavo Nikolic came out of the aircraft and, seeing their faces, knew what they'd heard. Nikolic climbed through the hole in the wall of the suitcases and rugby shirts, crouched at the mouth of the dim tunnel and looked at the mournful faces which were all turned towards him. Hey, boys, he shouted, there's some good news. We just heard on the radio. They've called off the search. (laughs) Inside the crowded aircraft, there was silence. As the hopelessness of their predicament enveloped them, they wept. Why the hell is that good news? Pius shouted angrily at Nikolic. Because it means that we're going to get out of here on our own. Oh, that is badass. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. We don't need those rescue fucks. <laughs> We've got this. Oh, my God. And then the author writes, the courage of this one boy prevented a flood of total despair. Oh, that is, that's so cool. How amazing is that? Yeah, See, like, again, just I'd be like, we're fucked. You need, you need someone with that. Yeah. To, um, yeah, drag you through. Someone with that. Yeah, strong will. There's a few pretty amazing characters in this, but that is a very nice... Um, I mean, who knows if it happened exactly like that, but I I choose to believe because yeah, that's lovely. I'm into it. Is it. So that book's called Alive. Uh, yeah. And it's been turned into a, a movie. A movie called Alive. What about a musical? It's Alive, the <laughs> musical. Mm. We crashed our plane, but we're going to get through, through it. it. I love it. I hate I just, I'm just spitboiling. I don't want to live my life in snow. <laughs> Is that a Bon Jovi I'm musical? A lie. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if that's inappropriate or what, but I mean, I'm feeling like maybe this whole podcast is today. Inappropriate? Inappropriate. Um. Yep. I guess so. Is it inappropriate? I'm no, it's, a, it's a, a fantastic story. survival tale, yeah. which we've done many on this show before. That's true. Yeah. I mean, yes. It is. I mean, yes. Please do go on. (laughs) (laughs) Faced with starvation and death, those still alive had a conversation many of us have probably joked about, but never, ever want to have in real life. And something that we've already hinted at. Should we have an orgy? (laughs) Should we have an orgy? Should we have an orgy? I did not see that coming. Is that... Well, it does... I mean... Which can happen in an orgy because, you know, there's a lot going on. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, where'd that come oh, from? Oh, my God. Sorry about that. Sorry. Sorry, Sorry about, about that. that. Not even I knew that was about to happen. <laughs> Doesn't sex raise your body temperature? Damn right. So, Guys, how would you know, Dave? We just heard, <laughs> we just, we just heard some good news on Damn the radio. Right. What's that? Well, we're fucked, so we may as well all have sex, and it's my first time. <laughs> oh, that is good news. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, no, they, they agreed that should they die, the others might consume their bodies in order to live. Sexually. Yes. No? Roberto Canessa, the 19-year-old medical student, wrote this. After just a few days, we were feeling the sensation of our own bodies consuming themselves just to remain alive. 
Before long, we would become too weak to recover from starvation. We knew the answer, but it was too terrible to contemplate. We wondered whether we were going mad even to contemplate such a thing. Had we turned into brutal savages, or was this the only sane thing to do? Truly, we were pushing the limit of our fear. I, I'm, I don't want to dwell on this a lot because it makes me feel very sick to read about. Um, but it is important to mention because it comes up a lot, and I knew I'd get a lot of messages if I didn't talk about it. But um, if you want to find out more, feel free to look it up yourself, you sicko. Um, I'm just going to put on the record that if we if we needed to, you can eat me. Dave, you are the worst one to eat. I know. Obviously, kill me and eat me. All right. You two are just, like, it's just gristle. <laughs> well, enjoy. <laughs> enjoy that gristle. Also, uh, I did have, well, bec- uh, since writing this, had a conversation with some friends the other day about it. And one of my friends was like, you wouldn't do it. I'm like, you're right, I wouldn't. Even in, because I don't eat meat as it is. And I'm a fussy eater. So I think it would honestly, I'd just be like, oh, not for me, thanks. I'll eat some snow. Anyway, so as if things couldn't get any worse, after 17 days stranded, an avalanche struck the fuselage where the survivors were sleeping. Apparently, something like 250,000 avalanches happen in the Andes every year. Like it's very avalanche prone. Right. Small, big, whatever. I don't know how particularly big this one was, but uh, it came through in, in the middle of the night as they were sleeping. And eight of the survivors were killed. Oh, my God. Must have, been, gone. must have been pretty big. Yeah. Including their leader, um, Perez. Oh, it's the, the El Capitano. Yes. Is he the one who had the... He said, we'll get out of this no. the good news guy? No, that he was another guy. So the death of their team captain, as well as uh, a, woman, a woman called Liliana Methol, who had nursed all of the injured, was really discouraging and disheartening. Also, Liliana was the only woman who had survived. Um, the fuselage was completely buried in snow and they had to break a hole in the roof to get ventilation so they didn't suffocate. Nando talks about it in this um, documentary I was watching and uh, he was sort of saying like, or one of them, another one actually said like he felt that he was covered in snow and he felt kind of happy because at least it was over. Right. Because you've got like three minutes under snow and then you'll suffocate. Right. Wow. Maybe not even. So, and Nando was sort of saying, yeah, a lot of them had kind of resigned to it. Like, well, we're dead. And and he was the one who, he he got like um, some sort of metal rod or something and like stuck it through the... <gasps> An the inanimate roof. carbon rod. Oh. <laughs> rod with Hero trust. again. Oh, how does he do it? Yeah, so he like pierced a hole to let some air in, some ventilation. Insane. Um, so outside of the aircraft was this furious blizzard. Which forced blizzard, um, which forced them to stay cramped in the fuselage for a few days to wait out the weather. With no food and no hope of rescue, they had to come up with a plan. So before the avalanche, a few of the survivors became insistent that their only way of survival would be to climb over the mountains and search for help. Because of the co-pilot's dying statement that the aircraft had passed a certain point, the group believed um, that the countryside of Chile was just a few kilometres away to the west. So they're like, we're not far. They were actually more than 89 kilometres or 55 miles to the east, deep in the Andes. In the first few weeks since the crash, they tried to explore their immediate vicinity but found that they struggled with altitude sickness, dehydration, snow blindness and malnourishment, as well as below freezing temperatures overnight. 
they decided that a few people would go to see if they could find help. So Roberto Canessa, the 19-year-old medical student, was joined by uh, Numa Takati, Antonio, Antonio Vizentin, and Nando Parado. And they waited seven days for the temperature to get slightly warmer before they headed off. They believed Chile was to the west, but blocking their path was this gigantic mountain. So they decided to head east, hoping to be able to U-turn at some point and move west. Like a longer route. Same like the plane, I guess. Like, we'll go a different... We'll go a longer way, but maybe a safer way. Um, so on the 15th of November, after several hours walking east... Wait, so the, how long is it? A month gone now? Um, it, yeah, it was like 17 days. Oh, it was 13th of Friday the 13th, wasn't it? Yep, so it's been a month now, yep. Just over. So after several hours of walking east, the group found the largely intact tail section of the aircraft. Oh. Containing the galley... Uh, and it was about 1.6 k's east and downhill of the fuselage. It's not amazing. It's taken a few hours to walk. 1.6 k's. Yeah. Wow. One mile. Yep. And it, I mean, it's downhill, so that's fast. Yeah, uh, that's fast. Wow. Yeah. Inside and nearby, they found luggage containing a box of chocolates, three meat patties, a bottle of rum, cigarettes, extra clothes, comic books, a little bit of medicine, a camera, and... A two-way radio. Wow. How exciting would it have yeah. been to have found that? A camera. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> Comic books. Um, the group decided to camp that night inside the tail section. They built a little fire and stayed up late reading comic books. Oh. That would have been a nice little oh. nice little night out for them. Finally some distraction. So they yeah, got fire going. Yeah, it seems like they did. Because, I mean, at least there was enough of the tail section for some sort of coverage. So maybe they were able to... Did, the bit that you said you didn't want to talk about too much before, was that them eating other people? Yeah. So that did happen? That did happen. And they've started that by now? Uh, yes. And yeah. have they, are they taking some of that with them? That uh, being the... Not on this trek, I don't right. think. Oh, Maybe. This is just, so they're not planning on keeping on going. They're sort of just trying to see what's out there. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. So they haven't gone too far. But yes, they are. Not, okay, not all of them. Um, uh, eight. They're, this is a hard thing as well. They know each other. Yeah. I mean, not that it would be any better if it was strangers, but it does feel a bit weird if you know someone. But yeah, so not all of them did, but um, quite a few of them did. And that's another thing too, and I don't fully understand it myself, but at a higher altitude, your calorie intake needs to be a lot more. Right. So if they're stuck in high altitude and they're not eating anything, they're like dying faster. Right. So they've got to put something in. That's why they were like, after a couple of days, they were already struggling a lot. Right. So, because they've been gone for a month and there's no other food. So yep. they'd all be dead otherwise. There's no animals. There's no vegetation. There's They just had some dates. Yeah. And they've probably gone through all the dates and the almonds. Yeah. But they've just found some new food. Yeah, a little bit. Um, not heaps, but, you know, it's, I mean, it, it would still be really exciting. But they only, they only ate dead people, didn't they? They didn't kill anyone. No, they didn't kill anyone. So they just went and got the bodies. And so that's something that uh, they are quite adamant about now. It's not cannibalism, but I've forgotten the word that it is for just like eating human. Um, right. But it's they didn't kill. So it's eat. cannibalism when you murder someone yeah. to eat them. Right? Oh, you kill okay. for the purpose of eating. So they didn't okay. do that. I don't think anyone's holding anything against them for that. 
No, but I mean, people keep the main thing that comes up when you Google this story is like cannibals. Right. Like, I mean, so, that's that's what I said as well. Yeah. Isn't it? And I don't know if this has any. They are all deeply Catholic, aren't they? Yes. And so there was a lot of. I cannot stress how much of a conversation there was around it, and why that's why a lot of them refused to because it was it was a sin. They'd go to hell if they if they did do that. Um, but then the thing that sort of turned a few of them around was someone likened it to the Eucharist, which is, you know, the body of Christ. So, Right, okay. Yeah, it was It was not definitely not an easy decision that they made. I don't, I don't think I, that uh, sin ever came up in school for me. Yeah. So it's a sin to eat. It's human. more like lying to your parents or um, yeah. stealing a dollar from mum's wallet or something. Coveting wives. Yeah, coveting wives. <laughs> shall not... Um, Milk your friend's donkey? I think so, one? yeah. I was going to say tax fraud, but that is definitely one. Milk yeah, there's something about, something about, yeah, oh, I forget what it was. It wouldn't be milking a donkey, but it was something about your neighbor's cow or something. It's been a little while. But, uh, yeah, but I never, it never came up. No. So it's interesting that they knew that to be a yeah. sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of them were like, no, I absolutely won't do it. Yeah, that's interesting. So some didn't, some did. Um but yeah, so after they found this, um, they found the tail. They continued east the next morning, and on the second night of the expedition, which was their first night sleeping outside, they nearly froze to death. So after some debate the next morning, they decided that it would be wiser to return to the tail and remove the aircraft's batteries and bring them back to the fuselage so they might be able to power up the radio and make an SOS call. Like, well, we found some batteries, right. this is good. So they go back to the tail only to figure out that the batteries are too heavy for them to carry back to the fuselage. They're like 25 kilos each or something. Right. It's a lot. You but could probably press that. Easy. Yeah. No, that's not true. I went to the gym today and I heard a lot. Um, uh, but also I couldn't carry that through snow with no food. Couldn't you just push it uphill with your legs? Oh, yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, leg press it up. And how do I move, Dave? Someone pushes Someone you. Someone leg presses you. <laughs> okay. You to get a chain. It's a leg press chain. Okay, so and the, so the whole surviving crew is there together. No, only so, four some of them are right, gone. Yeah. Okay. So most people have stayed back at the fuselage. Just these four guys had had headed off. Is there and there is there any reason why they can't just make a new camp at the tail? It's probably not big. Not enough. as not big. Not big enough. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So unknown to any of the team members, the aircraft's electrical system used 115 volt batteries, while the battery they'd located produced 24 volts. So it was never going to work anyway. But it was a nice idea. So they, But they went back and forth in the freezing cold to try and get the radio to work and to signal for help, but to no avail. In this time, two more of the survivors had died, both from gangrene due to their infected wounds. Oh. And Numa uh, Takati, who had been on that journey to the tail with them, died on the 11th of December, which was day 60. Another month has gone by. Yep. Holy shit. This is a wild story. Okay. Day 60 he passed away, most likely due to starvation because he'd refused all along to eat any of the human remains. So he, he, and when he died, he was 25 kilos. Oh, my God. 25, my 55 God. 55 pounds. So he must have been absolutely wasting away because he's expending all that energy going back and forth to the tail. Yep. And not, not eating not, not not anything. That's so tough. Yep. Wow. It's awful. But, I mean, in his mind, he's going to everlasting paradise now, so... Yeah, 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 because he didn't... That, that, yeah. That's not a bad little uh, carrot to have. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, any of them surviving at all uh, is incredible. 
And th- I haven't read any stories about it being like there was no sort of arguing. They seemed to work really well together and, you know, everybody had a, like a, good a job to do. Yeah, and before they were heading off on these sort of expeditions and stuff, other people would take on their share of work around the camp so they could save their energy and stuff. So, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know. I can't imagine it would be a pleasant experience, but it seems like they, they worked pretty well together. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. i got to get something off my chest. Okay. I ate your last biscuit. I was that saving has been, them for my wedding. That has been stressing. <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can uh, affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah, it was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit he, that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> That is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. So they decided that a few of the strongest people would hike out to seek rescue. So 60 days after the crash, Nando Parado, Antonio Vizintin, who they called Tintin, and Roberto Canessa, lacking mountaineering gear of any kind, climbed from the glacier, which was at at about 11,000 feet, to the 15,000 foot peak, blocking their way to the west. They thought they'd climb this peak to the west and be able to see the green fields of Chile, but all along they had the wrong idea of their location. Uh. So Knessa says, When we got to the top, we realised we were much further from safety than we thought. So we decided to send Tintin back down to the plane to tell them we had headed south and so our food supplies would last longer between the two of us. So they took his spare clothes and food and said, You go back. We were at 15,000 feet and the temperature was 10 below zero. Unknown to the... This is <laughs> this is going to break you, Matt. Unknown to the people on board or to the rescuers, the flight had crashed about 21 kilometres east from Hotel Termas, which was an abandoned resort and hot oh. spring that might have provided limited shelter. Oh, they, a hot they spring. They were next to a hot spring... But and hotel. This, this, because that broke me when I read it. But then in the a doco I was watching, a mountaineer said that it was a really brutal trek to the hotel, and that it was on the other side of a really wide river. So chances are they wouldn't have been able to get to it anyway. Right. But if they got there, it had a world famous buffet. <laughs> no, it's like an abandoned. <laughs> it's just a building. 
Yeah. It would have been kind of useless for food or whatever, but at least it would have been a bit of shelter. If they could have just crashed slightly, you know, just yeah. the luck of where they landed. Yeah. But th- it- they didn't know where they were. So even if someone was aware of that hotel existing, you think you're somewhere else yes. to where you are. So who and knows? The, the, so you say they didn't have any mountaineering gear, but they also had never seen snow. Yeah. So had, like they would have... Just been figuring it out as they went. Yeah, I think like it's a pretty specialized kind of skill just it, to be. I, I don't. I've got. I'm useless with heights, but I'm guessing that's pretty high up. Yeah, I'm pretty useless as well, but it does seem high, doesn't it? And when it's high in the Andes, it's way higher than anything in Australia. Oh, absolutely, way higher. And you're at high altitude, which means breathing is really hard. So. Nando was sort of talking about it as like you take five breaths and then take one step. Oh. And it's just so slow. And imagine getting to the top of that hill and being like, all right, on the other side of that, it's going to be green and sunshine. Yeah. And you get there and you're like, oh, there's more of this everywhere. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd, break, that'd break you. I know. So, yeah, so they were running out of food, so Tintin agreed to return to the crash site. The return was entirely downhill and using um, one of the seats from the aircraft as a makeshift sleigh, I read that he returned to the crash site in one hour. They'd been hiking for three days, and he just slid back down in an hour. Wow. Like, that's how not very far they'd made it, I guess. The the people back at the plane could watch them. They watched them for a few days. Just saw these little dots in the distance and was like, that's them. (laughs) Like when Homer tries to climb the murder horn. Yeah. And he's just sucking down oxygen and then it zooms out and he's only about 20 metres above Mars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so over the next 10 days, Nando and Roberto trekked about 38 kilometres, 61 miles, hoping to seek help. Each night they slept in a sleeping bag that one of the men had made out of insulation from the rear of the fuselage sewn together with copper wire. And they credit that with, like, keeping them alive. Right. They would, like, huddle in together and, and sleep in there and it would keep them, you know, relatively warm. Did you say 30-something kilometres, 60 miles? Oh, no, other way around. 38 miles, 61 kilometres. Oh, sorry, yep. No, thank you. Um, so, gradually, there appeared more and more signs of human presence. First, some evidence of camping and finally, on the ninth day, some cows. So they're like, we're getting Ooh, close. We've got cows to be close. are good sign. They're not normally up the top of mountains. No. So we must have moved down. Also, and do I- you have a knife I can kill that cow with? <laughs> um, wow. Okay. That would be, geez. I love cows as it is. I love big headed animals. Love them. I love their big eyes. I love big, sturdy animals. They're yeah. my favorite. I love all the bovines. I like how they chew. Yeah. Love it. Love cows. Love a cow. Love buffaloes. Love bison. Yeah. Love the Highland coos. Love yaks. Yep. Just a big bovine head. The whole time we were in, uh, in the UK, I thought you were just saying cows funny when you'd say. Oh, the Highland coos. <laughs> I was like, God, oh, that is cute how he says it. Um, yeah. Which is, is that where I'm, I'm kind of imagine is that how that started? No idea. Yeah. How do you say it? What are but they, they, they got those great fringe they're and those amazing. cool horns. They're just the best looking oh, things. They're so good. What do you th- What do you reckon? Dave? Oh, they're the best looking cows there are. Yeah, I think they've got to be right up to. Yeah, they're the, the Clydesdale of the cow world. God, oh, Dave, an amazing analogy. Mm. Yes, they are the Clydesdale <laughs> of the cow world. I think we can all agree. So one night, as they gathered wood to build a fire, one of them saw three men on horseback <gasps> on the other side of the river. 
Parado called out to them, but the noise of the river made it impossible to communicate. Very oh, wide river. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> One of the men across the river saw Parado and Canessa and called back, tomorrow. So the next day the man returned and, he, and again, they couldn't understand each other. They couldn't hear each other. So he scribbled a note, the, the man on the other side of the river scribbled a note, attached it and a pencil to a rock with some string and oh, threw it across the river. So Parado replied, this is the message he wrote. I come from a plain that fell in the mountains. I am Uruguayan. We've been walking for 10 days. I have a wounded friend up there. In the plain, there are still 14 injured people. We have to get out from here quickly and we don't know how. We don't have any food. We are weak. When are you going to come fetch us? Please, we cannot even walk. Where are we? So this man, his name was Sergio uh, Catalan, and he read the note, gave them the sign that he understood, and then he... Uh, shuckers. <laughs> he went, shuckers, bro. Um, then Nando, in, in talking about this, got emotional at this point. He said he threw bread and cheese across. To oh. Just a bit, like just what he had on him, he threw... I threw would get emotional if you gave me bread and cheese right now. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone after nearly three months in, in the Andes. Yep. Oh, my God, what a moment. So then, I went. Sometimes this audio podcast, you think, "Jeez, I, uh, my mouth was agape." Yeah, agog, agape, agape. I was agog. My <laughs> mouth was agape. So Sergio then rode on horseback westward for ten hours to bring help. He rode for ten hours along his journey. He passed uh, another guy on a horse and asked him to collect the men and take them to the nearest town, which was still pretty far away. Um, while he continued on to find help for the rest of the survivors still on the mountain. So the, just the chances of them running into these horse riders yeah, was... Yeah, because they're out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, man. So they were um, arrieros, which is like... Uh, they're like, um, I think, from my understanding, like uh, transporting stuff via mule or horse. So they're, they're kind of out in a pretty... Yeah, there's no, there's no towns around. So the fact that they came across each other is amazing. So um, the, the, I think there was like what I heard was six or seven like military men on horseback ended up going out and finding Parado and Canessa and they brought them into the nearest town where they were fed and given a bed and allowed to rest. They'd hiked, like I said, about 38, uh, uh, what did we say, 438 Ks? Or 38 60Ks? miles. 38 miles um, over 10 days. I've I've read, there's a couple of different, numbers that come up with how far they'd hiked but regardless it was very far very um, far in and good incredibly conditions impressive. exactly yeah since the plane crash Canessa had lost almost half his body weight about 44 kilos he's only a 19 year old kid he's he's now weighing 40-ish kilos on the afternoon of the 22nd of december 1972 72 days after the crash <laughs> Two helicopters carrying search and rescue personnel reached the survivors. I think Nando had to go with them to try and help them find the spot because he's showing them on maps and they're like, I don't think that can be right. That place doesn't exist. (laughs) The steep terrain only permitted the pilot to touch down with a single skid. It was just such a terrible terrain. Due to the altitude and weight limit, the two helicopters were able to only take half of the survivors. Imagine. So four members of the search and rescue team volunteered to stay with the seven survivors remaining on the mountain. So they stayed for one more night. 
So the survivors slept for a final night in the fuselage with the search and rescue party. The second flight of helicopters arrived the following morning at daybreak. They carried the remaining survivors to hospitals in Santiago for evaluation. 16 of the 45 passengers were rescued. Amazing. Oh, that's so great. Isn't that incredible? I can't believe I assumed it was going to be a week and a half. 72 days. 72 days. That is wow, that's mind-blowing. Yep. It's wild. So the survivors were treated at hospital for a variety of conditions, including altitude sickness, dehydration, frostbite, broken bones, scurvy, and malnutrition. I mean... Scurvy. Frostbite. Well, yeah, because, I mean, they're not getting any vitamins, are they? Yeah. They've just got... They've picked up whatever... Whatever you want. We got it all. Yeah. We're not going to test you. You've just got the lot. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to fix you. Yeah. Here's a bit of everything. I'm just going to give you a little saline drip to start. Yeah. And then we'll just see how we go from Penicillin, there. cocaine, yeah. <laughs> uh, banana. <laughs> what do you want? What do you need? You can have anything. I want a milkshake. <laughs> See, oh, fuck yeah. So, yeah, 16 of them have, have survived uh, oh. against all odds. Um, I've written a very dramatic line here because nothing good can happen for these people. I mean, they just got rescued, so it is good. But rumours started to swell that they'd killed members of the party to eat, these rumours of cannibalism. So all of them had had like a um, – they all confessed to a priest who was like, I think given the circumstances – you're fine. You're forgiven. You're still going to go to heaven. Thank Don't worry. God that they got like some priest who's really by the book who goes, nah, no, honestly, sorry, but Jesus wouldn't have wanted you to have lived through mm. that. <laughs> Even if it was eating. Maybe there's a reason the... you were on that plane. Oh, yeah. There, w- there would be priests out there like that. But uh, yeah, you, you like to think a good priest. Yeah. Uh, has a, knows that it's you know there's some rules are there to be bent and also time and place priest yeah all right you think in your head you monsters but give them a break I think it's um yeah well that's great I mean what a weight that would have been on some of them so it would have been such a relief to hear a priest say nah you're right absolutely um but yeah so these rumors started to swell even though they they kind of discussed that they would. Tell their families, their immediate families, but that they wouldn't really talk about it publicly um, because of how people would react to I don't, it. They didn't want to spoil the film. Yeah, exactly. Which <laughs> they were like, well, this is inevitable. Um, but because all these rumours had started to swirl and people were being accused of cannibalism and everyone was being accused of it. Imagine, no it's like, give us a fucking break. Have we not been People suck. Like, you, we see some of them showed the best. Just like how the human spirit mm. and then the people at home who are just sitting back on the couch going, I wouldn't have done that. Mm. Fuck off, idiot. Yeah. I know you can't judge people who've gone through something like that in any way. No way. Um, so they had to hold a press conference on the 28th of December. This is not long after they'd been saved. Oh, I'm hoping record deal. <laughs> <laughs> they recounted the events of the past 72 days and after explaining their experience and the pact that the group had made, public scrutiny subsided and the families of the deceased were very understanding, which is pretty amazing too that they were like, we get it. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it, it, just as much as you say you can't judge the survivors, you can't judge the families of those who died. But the glass half full thing would be like, well, it, it's nice that our kid, even though they passed, mm. that they were able to help these other people live. But geez, you've got to be a big person to be thinking like that. Yeah, you'd get there eventually maybe, yeah. but 
That wouldn't be your first thought, I don't no. think. No. Oh, but at the same time, they would have already assumed everyone died as well. Mm. Like, no oh, yeah, one's singing did. 72 days later that there's any survivors. No, absolutely not. Like, uh, there was interviews with some of the family members who were like, I knew in my heart they were gone. Because right. uh, Nando, so he was there with his mother and sister. His other sister is, is interviewed and she was like, I, I, knew, I knew they were gone. So she's <sighs> just lost brother, sister, mum in her head. Yes. So for, for then for her brother to come home, she, it was huge, you know. And what a name as well, Nando. Nando, Fernando. Oh, that makes <laughs> sense. All right. He's great. Um, so what, in a lovely kind of twist that isn't always the case in these kind of awful um, life-threatening situations, the survivors are all still in contact. And in, uh, in his book, Roberto Canessa wrote... We try and get together every December 22nd, the day of the rescue, and every year there's a rugby match in Chile to honor, in honor of the, the one that was cancelled because obviously they didn't turn up for their game. No Knowing one talks about that. They lost their points. Yeah. <laughs> the other people just got an easy four points that week. Oh, uh, what? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So, yeah, they, they, have, they, they all catch up. He says, My children went to school with the nieces and nephews of those that died, and I think that is a very good healing process, much better than going to psychiatrists. Oh, I reckon you probably you should both. seek some... <laughs> Do a bit of both. bit of both is fine. Yeah, a bit of healing together, great. bit of healing in a psychiatrist's office, always also very good. Um, but, yeah, he said, We felt proud that we'd managed to heal by ourselves. So the story's been told in several books, including the one I mentioned before by um, Piers Paul Reed, Alive, the story of the Andy survivor. Um, it's based on interviews of the survivors and their families and was a criti- critical success. Um, it's still very popular and um, it was made into a film um, in 1993, narrated by John Malkovich and starring Ethan Hawke. Right. Ethan Hawke plays Nando. Oh, great. I've hmm. got to watch that. And Nando Parado served as a technical advisor on the film. Brendan Fraser doesn't happen to appear, does he? Sadly, no. Oh. But 11 of the survivors visited the set during the production, which is pretty cute. Can we add Abba's Fernando into our musical version? Yes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> hey, did that film ever get released on Montevideo? <laughs> <laughs> Straight to Montevideo. A um, couple more books as well. 34 years after the rescue, Nando Parado published the book Miracle in the Andes, which is the one that you're listening to the audiobook, isn't yes, it, Yes, it's a good audiobook. So he does the intro and then an actor reads the rest of it. Gotcha. But he, he yeah, uh, cool. does like, sort of the first chapter in his beautiful uh, accent. He does, really yeah, sets the scene. He's got a beautiful voice mm. um, and he just seems very cool. And then Roberto Canessa also wrote a book, um, that came out in 2016. So a lot of the, when you Google it now, a lot of the articles and stuff you'll find are interviews with him about his book. Um, uh, and his book was called I Had to Survive, How a Plane Crash in the Andes Inspired My Calling to Save Lives. So in his book, he recalls how the plane crash helped him learn many life lessons about survival and how his time in the mountains helped renew his motivation to become a doctor. He's like a pediatric, uh, pediatric something now. Would have been good if I remembered. Hey, I'm impressed by pediatric. Yeah. Yeah. What does that guy. mean? What's that's feet? <laughs> it's kids. Kids. Kids feet. Kids feet. Kids though. feet. 
And he saves those kids' feet. Last year, Eduardo Stroch wrote, Out of the silence after the crash. This was four decades after the tragedy. A climber discovered his wallet near the memorialised crash site and returned it to him. No. A gesture that compelled him to finally break the silence of the mountains. Someone found his wallet. Wow. Amazing. Sent it back to him and he was like, all right, I'll write a book. Knowing he'd already cancelled the cards though. <laughs> I, um, I do have a fun fact to end on if you like. The best thing about it was he was only one clip away from a free coffee. And now... Oh, yeah, takes it back. <laughs> takes, you, it, takes, takes it back and the coffee shop closed 30 years ago. Oh, come on. Come on. He's asking the new shop. Uh, this is a... This Do you know who I am? <laughs> Do you know what I've been through? Um, yeah, a little fun fact. It's a heartwarming fact. So, in 2007, um, the Chilean arriero, Sergio, who was the one who rode for 10 hours to get help for them. He's also a hero, that guy. He was interviewed on Chilean television during which he revealed that he had um, um, osteoarthritis in his hip. And uh, uh, Roberto Canessa, who had become a doctor, and other survivors raised funds to pay for a hip replacement operation. Isn't that nice? I got him all those years. I think that is so great. But in my head, you go through that. Those fourteen people, there should be some sort of world thing where everyone they never have to work. They just don't have to work. Yep, they don't have to do anything. What do you want? You've worked hard. You've done a lifetime's work in seventy-two days. You can you choose your life, and we'll give you a little. What do you want? A little paddock. We'll give you a. Yeah, is that if that's what you want? You want an apartment? A little barn. What do you want? What do you want? You got it. Do you think you the never world fly will give again? it to you? I'd never fly again. I don't. I don't know. I mean, after these two episodes, I'm thinking whether I'll fly again. Yeah. I yeah. I just. I feel it's the kind of thing I just don't know how I'd react to that because I. I enjoy flying so much now. Mm. It's hard to know if that. <laughs> I imagine it would take some of the fun out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, but maybe you. I have probably to. would never ski again. Yeah. And I've never skied oh, so before. So it would be snow that would bother you, not the plane crash part. Although, I mean, the plane crash only lasted a few minutes. Mm. You know, the snow issue was 72 days. You'd so never, maybe you're right. You'd never sleep in a fuselage in the wilderness again. Because no. I love the word fuselage, How though. good is it? That's why I wanted to say it so much. And I enjoyed it every time. Um, I should say, I forgot to mention as well, this has been suggested by uh, quite a lot of people. So a shout-out to them as well um, from Paulita Silva. Esther Stewart, Nathan L, Tate Evans, Rochelle Griffith, Seba, uh, uh, Marcio, Antonia Daly, and Carol Duval have all suggested this topic. Thank Great suggestion. So I, yeah, it's the. There was a point early on where I'm like, well, I'm not feeling very good. <laughs> <laughs> but in the end, it's what a. What a tr- amazing triumphant story! It's yeah. got to be one of the great survival stories. Amazing, ever. pretty amazing. Someone was saying that, like, you know, a few people on there, and like we said, when the avalanche hit and stuff, a few were sort of resigned to just like let me die, and I don't blame them at all. But others were sort of saying some people like Nando and Roberto, who were really like driven and. Nando just wanted to get home to his dad. Yes, he says that a lot in the book. Yeah. And that's the bit that he reads out is that um, when his sister died, he nearly gave up. Yeah. But then he heard a voice saying, no, you will survive. Wow. And he pr- made a promise, I will see my dad again. And that he just kept thinking about it. Isn't that He was inspiring? in a coma for three days. Yeah. At no point did anybody perform surgery on his head and he was the one who hiked out. No, like, yeah, that's amazing. I... 
Yes. Same guy. Same guy. So and his brain's still throbbing I out guess. his head. Well, you know, in the book he talks about... Oh, after I got a hat. After a couple of weeks, he's like, the bones started to form together again. No. Wow. But not properly. Like not, a, not properly. Yeah, but it's sort of like slow-mo wolf, slow Wolverine. Yeah. He doesn't have a weird head now from the Doco. Oh, well, the Doco was also very bad quality, so right. I couldn't see you that but, well. Like, I've got That's no idea. Like, when did you go to hospital when you get back and they like have to... Re- I don't know. I guess. Dress yeah, it. that's amazing. And then other, pe- I mean, it's the hardest bit to listen to, the, and I, that's sort of why I stopped for a little bit. This is last week. Is yeah. it's guys with like intestines hanging out? And yes, stuff like that. of course. You know what? That guy was one of the biggest troopers of all. He just was like, "Yep, clearing out chairs left and right." His fucking guts are hanging. Yeah, out. amazing. Yeah. I'm he the had kind like of a guy. Bit of shrapnel in him, so and it pulled it out, and some guts came out, and he wow. just went to help. I'm, I'm the kind of guy, I'm like, oh, I've got a paper cunt. I don't know about this. I'll never touch paper again. Yeah, <laughs> I'm done. I, I wonder, yeah, because they're also uh, had such strong religion, religious beliefs. Mm. I, yeah, I imagine it, it's it's probably the kind of thing that would only strengthen that, right? I mean, it would be a handy thing to get you through it, potentially. Belief in a higher power yep. and, and that sort of stuff. But then, and then you get through it, you're like, well, that confirms it. Uh, God is real and yeah. God got me through this. I w- I or maybe other people would be like, well, God would not have put anyone through this. Exactly. A why God would of love, why yeah. would he do that to anyone? I know. It's a, it's a really tough one. I, I imagine, amazing. yeah, would, you'd probably go one of the two. Or somewhere in between. Ah. <laughs> so I'm giving you three potential options. Yeah. Take your pick, listeners. Um, fantastic what a report. report. Fantastic story. Yeah, crazy. Uh, inspiring and also horrifying. So, so amazing. Thank you to the Patreons who voted on that topic as well. It was a very tight race for a few days. There was another topic that was clearly out front and then the race got a lot tighter and then this one took over by one vote. So yeah, To win by one with 30 people not voting. It's, I know. Wow. Pretty amazing, huh? I mean, not to say... I mean, if you don't want to vote, that's fine. Oh, yes, you don't have to. You obviously. absolutely don't have to. But um, I think um, they made a right cho- the right choice because that is a, wild a, a tale story. for the ages. Mm. Do you want to hear a little bit of the history of why Friday the 13th is... Only if it's interesting. Well, I haven't read it yet. Okay. Well, yeah, go on then. Uh, this is from a little website called Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. I probably should have found one. They're, they're going on a fair bit, but it says that it's, it's unclear, basically. <laughs> um, but according to folklore historian Donald Dossie, the unlucky nature of the number 13 originated with a Norse myth about 12 gods having a dinner party in Valhalla. The trickster god Loki, who was not invited, arrived as the 13th guest and arranged for to shoot Balder uh, with a mistletoe-tipped arrow. Uh, this is from Dossie. Balder died and the whole earth got dark. The whole earth mourned. It was a bad, unlucky day. This major event in North mythology caused the number 13 to be considered unlucky. Right, because of Loki. Yeah. Huh, there you go. Yeah, sorry, I should have checked if that was interesting first, but it was hard. <laughs> It's hard to find a time to uh, just stop and read an article while, Jess, you were telling such a fascinating story. So mm. I thought I wouldn't do that, but next time I will. Yeah, just go for it. <laughs> I'll just check out for a bit. <laughs> hey, that brings us to everyone's favourite section of the show. Feel free to edit out that Friday the 13th section. Um, <laughs> Might edit it down. Okay. <laughs> uh, so this is the fact, quote, or question section. It's got a little jingle. Goes fact, quote, or question. Ding. 
fuck, Dave. You nearly forgot. No, he always remembers the ding. <laughs> yeah. And to, I just wanted to worry Matt a little bit. <laughs> the way this works is if you uh, support us at patreon.com slash pod on the Sydney Schoenberg Deluxe Memorial Edition level, you get to offer us a fact, a quote, or a question. You also get to vote uh, in topics like Jess's topic today was voted on by the Sydney Schoenberg patrons. That's right. Uh, you also get three bonus episodes a month. Um, you get them on an even lower level as well. The, I believe, DB Cooper, Dreamboat Cooper level. I believe so. Uh, but, I mean, it's all uh, written out pretty clearly on patreon.com slash pod. So, the fact, quote, or question section, we go through a few each week. Uh, this first one comes from Elliot Crosby McCulloch, or McCulloch. And Elliot's offered us a fact. Uh, he's also given himself the title of junior assistant to the live show iPad. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. That's very handy to have. Isn't that maybe once he did he hand us an iPad or something? Potentially, but maybe it's just an aspirational title. Um, we do often read from an iPad at live shows. So there are two iPads too. Sorry to break. So that's why we need uh, someone with extra an extra pair of hands. That's yeah. right. And one day maybe I'll even get one of these tablets that you kids oh, are all wow. <laughs> playing with, and then we'll have three to choose from. Instead of pre- precariously balancing a laptop on your knees. Uh, so. This uh, one is a fact from Elliot. Elliot's fact goes like this. The year 2000 is not the last we'll see for date rollover bugs. There's another due in 2038 when the Unix Epoch timestamp, a number counting seconds from 01011970, used to keep track of the date and time in Unix-based systems. So that's that's the 1st of January 1970. We'll get too large to be stored in 32-bit unsigned integers. This is this is a fun fact. I, like I shouldn't say. Jess can tell us if it's fun or is not. Is it like a second Y2K? Yeah. Uh, at this point, any vulnerable system which has not been upgraded will suddenly think it's the 70s again, which is cool because we'll be due for another revival of flared trousers. <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry. The only sort of systems vulnerable will be older physical devices such as those in factories, medical, and the military. Phew. Oh, God. (laughs) So, like, sort of nuke launches or... I mean, I don't want to worry too much about it because Y2K was, you know, a bit of a flop. Well, wasn't it a flop because they... I I mean, I did the report on it, I can't really remember. But I feel like that was just because the scientists were aware of it and they did a bunch of work. Leading up to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, they'll probably do it again if we're already aware now. Yeah, well, we've got people like Elliot on the case. Yeah, thank God. Thank God. Thank you, Elliot, for the work you're doing. We assume you're working around the clock fixing that. He's the kind of guy I'd trust with the iPad as well. Yeah, I would too. Oh. Even more so now. A hundred percent. I reckon he'd come back with like a spoiler on it or something. He'd he'd update that (laughs) iPad real good. (laughs) An iPad with a spoiler. Thank you so much for that fact, Elliot. The next one comes from Anna Cox. And Anna's given herself the title of Chief Chuckler of the podcast. Oof. Ooh. Move yeah. over, Jess. Yeah. I'm a little offended, Anna, but I'm assuming <laughs> if you've given yourself that title, you have an amazing chuckle. And Anna's asked us a question. Hello, Matt, Jess, and Dave. My housemates and I have been taking it in turn to plan weekly house activities for each other during lockdown. That's nice. Trying to keep those positive vibes high. This is sort of a kill two birds with one stone question because I'm keen to hear your answers, but I also need new ideas. 
Uh, it would be fair to say that this started as a fun house thing and has become competitive and very extra, <laughs> which I'm not at all opposed to. If you had to plan the perfect lockdown day or lockdown activity for the other two, what would it involve? If you don't get to this before the end of lockdown, then what a fun throwback. Thanks, guys. Well, for us, uh, lockdown's making a real comeback here in yeah, Melbourne. Yeah, Victoria's been naughty. Um so we're not allowed to do anything anymore. What would I do for you guys? I reckon we'd have a pie-making sesh for days. Oh, my God. Oh. You can't tease that. Is this real? Can we do it? <laughs> yeah, I can make a pie. I can make an apple pie. Oh, I'd be in for that too. Yeah, I can do that. A bit of puff pastry. Yum, oh, yum. puff me up. Um, for Matt, we'd have we'd homebrew. Oh, wow. Oh, that'd be fun. And then we'd have homebrew and pie. Fantastic. Oh, so it's just a, a, a real quick turnaround homebrew. I love yes. it. <laughs> and yes, oh, this beer tastes a bit, a little bit young. And then we'd watch a Brendan Fraser movie. Oh, what a day. There you go. That's my day. All right. Top so, that, dickheads. No, I, well, I think I'm gonna, I'll be involved in the pie thing as well. Dave, what do Don't we do for Jess? Don't jump on my idea. <laughs> Get your own. Oh, we're going to do three weeks each. in a row. Okay. Well, all right. For Dave, I'm going to make it custard and blueberry Pie-making day. Still pies, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. That's all I got. Yeah. But also a savoury pie. It's your personality. <laughs> Wait, no. Last week you said... Oh, was recently... Chocolate ice cream. Yeah, chocolate ice cream. Oh, I love chocolate ice cream He's at the moment. going through a chocolate ice cream phase. Loving it. Living so we're going to make some homemade ice cream. <gasps> uh, and I'm going to make it into an affogato or whatever Jess said. God, yes. Recently. You know it, yeah. Was that we talked about that last night yeah, on the Patreon bonus episode? Coffee shop with ice cream. Um. And for you, Jess, of course, I know your interests very well. Um, just trying to think what kind of hashtags you've created on your social media. I think what we'd do is we'd... Um, <laughs> Jess Lurkins. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I haven't done that for a while because I can't lurk with anyone. No. Damn but it. Damn the social distancing ruining a good hashtag. It's got to come back. I think uh, what we talked about uh, last night off pod was that we've got a shared love for uh, house hunting... <laughs> Oh. TV shows. House so, Hunters International. Get me a box set of that and just leave me alone. What <laughs> no, I, no, no, what I would, I'd somehow, I was thinking I'd try and uh, make it interactive somehow. Maybe by, um, uh, I'd give you three places to choose from and then you can pick your own home somehow. Oh, love that. Maybe I'd convert three of our lockdown rooms into different apartments oh. and then you can pick one and then you get to stay in it for the night. Oh my God, man. That's this fun. sounds amazing. Yeah, and Dave, we'd, you'd do a pie. and <laughs> A pie and Poirot. Oh, yes. We finished the day with a Poirot. All right, Dave, your turn. All right. Well, I'd uh, give Matt that uh, makeover we've always talked about giving him. Yeah. I'm overdue. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd do a bit of Queer Eye makeover style for Matt. Yep. God, I love that show so much. Um, f- for Jess, I'd uh, organise a plant growing competition. <gasps> we'd, this is actually, it's longer than a day, but we start on the day. Everyone gets some seeds or a bulb and a small uh, patch of dirt in a, what do you call these vessels? Pot. A pot. <laughs> what do you call this vessel what is here, this boy? Bowl? <laughs> uh, and then you can choose any, fer- any fertiliser you like and then okay. over the next five weeks, who, who, whoever's grows the most wins. Okay. So it's a bit of a competition. And then at the end of the day, we watch, for me, uh, my four favourite episodes of The Simpsons ever. 
Brilliant, yes. Are they still the same ones that you aired at your, was it your 25th birthday? Yes, uh, they'd be similar, but I would, oh, on, on a technicality, I actually played four then, but for the fifth episode, I'd play Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 1 and oh, 2 great. as yep. one. Yep. Which and what are the other three for new listeners? Uh, Lemon Ca- of Troy? Uh, Cape Fear, Lemon of Troy, Homer versus the 18th Amendment, the uh, Beer Baron episode, oh. and, of, uh, and uh, Marge versus the Monorail. Right, classic. Great, good episode. Uh, plus, but I love. Um, what Tank Scorpio's episode? Oh, you only uh, lived. You only moved twice. Yeah, that's a good one. That's that, great. That'd be up I feel there like for I me. played that as well. Yeah, I feel like you might have. Maybe I played five. Maybe you didn't have Lemon of Troy after all. Maybe, I did, but I do love it. So good. Yeah, that's what they're. I think they're my two favorites. But Lemon I love uh, Who Shot Mr. Burns Part One and Two because it shows off the entire town. Right. They're all in good form. Yeah, okay. Love that. So you get a bit of everyone. That's nice. Uh, thank you so much for that question, Anna. Hopefully, Great question. I don't know if... Yeah. Hope, that probably didn't help. Let us know if that inspires anything in you. Basically. Make a pie. She'll end up making a pie. Yeah. The next one comes from Zach Dobrin, who's uh, given himself the title of Remaining the Day One Reference Aficionado of the Podcast. <laughs> day One. Oh, Day One. <laughs> What was that about again? No I said knows. day one. You just said day one. <laughs> what day episode was that? One. Day one. <laughs> but it was funny because I said, late, I admitted later that episode that I, I wasn't sure what my brain, I just had a brain fade. <laughs> and then, but we had messages of people saying, oh, I understood what you meant. And they had different people had different interpretations of it, <laughs> which was pretty, pretty fun. Wow, I can't that, even remember what episode that was. like an art piece. Day one. Anyway, Zach. <laughs> Has uh, got an, also got a question. Have you all ever considered doing reports about yourself, Stupid Old Studios, or the pod itself, perhaps as a Patreon bonus? For those who have been listening to you for quite some time, I'm sure may find some of these topics very interesting. I think we, I think a few people have asked, and we always assumed too self-indulgent even for us. Isn't mm. that kind of the... Yeah, I think it would, we'd find it just a bit too, a bit too inside the podcast studio. Like, I just find it boring. Yeah, and yeah, I think and we've told we've told the the origin story of the podcast on the podcast a few times. Yeah, um, and I think like in Q and A bonus episodes we've done, we've answered it a little bit as well of like how we met. Yeah, and, and I'm our sure... lives aren't that interesting. Yeah, I don't have. I would much, agree with that. I don't have much to to I mean, add. You know? I'm saving it for a book, and I'm not giving this shit away for free. <laughs> okay, I'm also. I'm pretty sure I've told the origin story of Stupid Old Studios on. In interviews or something, they'd be, yeah. they'd be, you'd be able to Google it. I'm sure I've talked about it somewhere. But I mean, we have like five thousand topics in the hat, and know? they're all more interesting. Way than us. more interesting than us. But yeah, I mean, if 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 like enough people want it, I do feel like that's Zach as very as nice as it is that you're interested. I feel like you might be in the minority of people who would really. It'd be short. Like, there's not that much to tell, is there? Well, yeah. we, we well, I've lived for. Quite a few centuries That's so right. I've been through. A few. That's you could true. talk about my time, uh, you know, when I, I was sitting next to Lincoln in that booth. Yeah, and you the Ford just went theater. to the toilet at the right time. <laughs> yeah, I ducked to pick up a penny. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, we did once do an episode where we actually took a biography of someone else yeah. and pretended it was us. And then that we, was you fun. had to guess who it was. Yeah, that was sort of our way of... Uh, Sort of doing that as an as an episode, mm. whilst actually telling interesting people's life stories. <laughs> and we did do an episode on Nick Mason as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. He is yeah. also again, I'd say, 
more interesting, more interesting than us, yes, for sure. Just being a tram driver instantly. Yeah, um, cool I'm job. Listening. Uh, thank you so much for the question, though, Zach. I mean, I'm happy to be proved wrong. Also, very happy to talk about myself. If uh, <laughs> if you ever bump into me somewhere, I'll answer all of your questions. Yeah. Um, well, not all your questions. I won't. I'm notoriously cagey. Yeah, I'm actually pretty cagey as well. Yeah, I'm very private. I'm, you're you're I'm from private. You're oh, a spy. Yeah. I'm a spy. Uh, finally, the last one this week comes from Mariam Chikadji. Sorry about that, Mariam. No, Mariam no. Chikadji. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Dave, just in case, do you mind having a. It's a great looking Mariam Chikradzi. Chikradzi. Fantastic name. You should have just said it exactly the same. As <laughs> uh, I don't think I could. <laughs> yeah. Mariam's uh, given herself the title of the president of your only Georgian listeners club. Probably. <laughs> ah. Do we have any other Georgian listeners? Is that Would that be Georgia in America or the country of Georgia? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's more obscure, isn't it? Yeah. Mariam has asked the question, Hey all. My question is, can you think of any backhanded compliments you've gotten? As a receiver of many myself, I'd like to know that I'm not the only one. Thanks. Oh, man, yeah. I can't think of any, but I'm, I'm so sure I get many. them all the time. Funny for a girl. Uh, <laughs> that's a classic. Uh, yeah, heaps all the time. I don't, I, don't, I, I don't remember them, and I think that's very much on purpose. I, I get I'm smarter than I seem sometimes. Oh, okay. Oh, I got one on YouTube recently. God, Dave's not as weird looking as Jess and Matt make him sound. <laughs> Do we make you sound weird looking? I constantly say he's weird looking. I nope. thought you constantly, you constantly say he's got beautiful eyes. I just say you he's pocket sized. beautiful eyes. Thank you. Yeah, but someone commented that. It made me think, did they say that about me? Did yes, they? Dave. I say that to your face when? constantly. Do you really? I don't think she I don't Do remember that Do you ever listen to me? No. Okay. Well, We're, that's part of the problem look, then, isn't it? I listen to you all the time. <laughs> I'm yeah. always listening. <laughs> And would you agree that she's funny for a girl? Yeah. I'd say she's funny for a human. Wow. Whoa. I'd go as far to say for a mammal. <laughs> yes, a mammal. Yes, a mammal. Funny for a, yeah, so um, that was a backhanded comment because it is like he's not as weird as you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, so you're saying okay. <laughs> the bar was low and yeah. I've, got, I've just gotten over that. Gee, thanks. Yeah, it's wild that people are still doing women funniness and women. That will stuff. never end. Uh, Let's hope it does. It's exhausting. It's that's a fucking nuts idea to me. Yeah. The like, I'd say most of the best comedians in Australia are women, or at least a big chunk. Yeah, for sure. You know all the and all yeah. It's a it's a real bizarre one, and I just think it's normally people who don't see comedy. Oh, that, yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't find women funny. It's like, well, okay, when was the last time you saw a comedy show of any type? Oh, yeah. You know, trail off. It's the best because it's often um, women saying, I, don't, I just oh, don't find women that funny. And it's like, what awful. do you mean? Like, you and your friends sit around and do what? Talk very seriously? Fuck that. Yeah, I'd imagine. You've never laughed with a friend? The, to me, I would assume that most people laugh. The most when they're just mucking around with friends. Totally. That's when I would laugh the most. Yeah. When talking to you, you guys, not on the pod, I'd keep it pretty serious on here. <laughs> Obviously, we don't laugh here. Dave, shut up. <laughs> but, Sorry. Oh, I don't know what that sound was that came was, out of my mouth. I've never, coughing. I've never done that in front of you before. 
Uh, well, that's uh, thank you so much for that question, Maram. Yeah, that's the one that I think I probably get the most. They're all very similar ones, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, all you're you of... got you you're better than what I thought you would be. Yeah. For some reason. <laughs> at least, I mean, at least yours for a, a woman is not even your fault. They're saying for me, uh, smarter than I make myself seem. Right? So it feels like that's really at me. What they're doing to you is actually just taking out all women. So that's not as much on you. It's all positive for you. You're funny for a woman because all women aren't funny. But their mind's all about me. Then I'd much prefer it smart for a man. I'd say thank you so much. You're pretty smart for a man. <laughs> Imagine. God, you're pretty smart for a man. <laughs> Look at this one. Ooh, you can walk and chew gum. La-di-da. Yeah. Uh, yeah look, it's... Backhand compliments are all a bit weird. Yeah, no, they're always like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. It's funny for a woman. Mm. Jess, yeah. um, I'd say you're probably the funniest person on this podcast. Nah. Top two. Yeah, top two for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and I appreciate you letting me be on here. <laughs> uh, the other thing we like to do on this podcast uh, is thank a few Patreons. Jess, you only come up with a bit of a game for this? Yes, I'm struggling a little bit with this one because it was such an incredibly bleak topic that I don't want to make anybody, uh, you know, I don't want to assign someone a tragic way to die, for no. example. Um, so, uh. Uh, okay, May- uh, maybe it's like what food they... They have to survive. Like, yeah. What do they what? find? Yeah. Like in the cabin or whatever. In the tail of the plane. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, should I kick her off? Please do. Yeah, go for it. Is that still bleak? Because they have still been in a plane crash, then, haven't they? Oh, what if this is like um, deserted this is a island? Kind a deserted of island, and they find a plane um, that died of natural causes. Old age. Yeah, no people were on board. No people were on board. They the just left had it also there. Ejected. With they a got a new plane. Mm. But it was a fully stocked plane. Yes. So what food was on the plane? Great. Okay. That makes sense to me for sure. And this is episode two hundred forty-five. Would I be correct in saying that? You are correct. Oh, fantastic! Well, I'd love to thank straight off the bat from Chico in California, United States, Sierra and Juan Uriate. Fantastic. Sierra and Juan, thank you so much for your support from Chico. And they found kidney beans. Oh, oh. my favourite bean. They're good. Really? I love kidney beans. Butter beans. Oh, you're right. Well, that's a lizard man. What do you got to remember about the lizard man? Loves butter beans. I like black beans. I like black beans. Oh, black beans I like pinto well. beans. Pinto Pinto's beans. are good beans. Mm. Fuck, I think I love beans. I love beans. Navy beans, <laughs> the ones in baked beans. Yankee beans. Mm. Yankee beans. I love my Yankee beans. <laughs> Does that mean anything to you guys? No, no, absolutely not. But uh, uh, Elaine I love you, was but they dating me out a bit. dating an artist, I think, on the, on Seinfeld, and he got sick, so she had to start feeding. He was a bit older, and it was she was about to break up with him, but he got sick, so she stayed with him, and she was feeding him. Which character? Beans. Elaine. Elaine. Oh, Yankee beans. And he was seeing that? Or no, she's seeing that to him as like he can't move and she's like spoon feeding him 
Beans. I don't know what it means. It might mean I'm guessing that's like a jingle from America or something. Been. Yeah, to our friends in California, Sierra and Juan, they might know it. Yeah. Uh, Hope you like beans. But oh. I think I think that I I think Yankee beans and navy beans are the same kind of beans. Gotcha. I'm not just saying something weird out of nowhere. <laughs> I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I think it that's makes good. a lot of sense when you think I, about I, it. I put kidney beans in <laughs> most me. I eat kidney beans nearly every day. I love kidney beans so much. Yeah, okay. Uh, they're yeah, they're a real. They're one of my main protein sources. I reckon. I'd also love to thank from North Hollywood, La La Land. <laughs> Sorry, just thinking about as someone requested, we do an hour of talking about it. Ourselves, and then they'll get stuff like I eat beans yeah, every I day. I eat beans every day. <laughs> I mean, they've got to be my favorite. I eat avocado. I'd reckon most days. Just, just a little fun fact. Really? Yeah. You are doing well. I wow. mean, we're sitting in my palace right now. <laughs> that is true. But now they're usually like two for something, so I get a couple, and they last me. I do like avocado. I've had avocado in a while, but I love avocado and Vegemite so much. Yeah, it's good shit. Uh, so from North Hollywood, La La Land in California, back to back Californians in the United States, Kayla Drescher. Oh, <gasps> could any relation? Could, could it be? I'm assuming yes. Kayla can't respond right now, so I'm going to say She's yes. From Hollywood, I mean, if she was from Flashing Queens, that would be. Uh, but surely Fran has since moved yes. to La La Land, Tinseltown for sure. Wow. Wow. Well, I so, think uh, Kayla may have found some Grandma Yetta, a.k.a. Feta. Oh. <laughs> mm. okay. Ray Charles' girlfriend. <laughs> Talk oh, about yeah. that every now and then. Oh, yes. You? That, that is oh, one sorry, of the weirdest me, TV facts. That took me a while to get I to. I thought you meant the cheese. Um, uh, I don't know if I'd be that thrilled with just finding chunks of feta. I absolutely would. No. I don't mind feta, but I mean, like, just yeah. it by itself. No I love thanks. It. Danish no, feta. I'm not, I'm not a... I'm not a huge feta man. No. Oh, okay. Well, save I, some for the rest of us. Well, I don't, I don't mind it in a salad or something. <laughs> <laughs> what, what? Both of you, what did you both just say? <laughs> well, Jess is doing a Pearl Jam bit. And, and you're... I, well, yeah, Jess is moving into Weed Al territory over there. And, <laughs> and I'm... I'm uh, Coming for you, Al. I just say, I don't, feta, if anywhere, maybe in a, in a salad. Yeah. Okay, Eddie Feder, is there anything in that? Yes, there you go. Wow. Well done one. Wait, we really, uh, should we start a cheese-based Pell Jam cover band? <laughs> Absolutely not, no. <laughs> Thank God for that. Look, I, I reckon we make it a Patreon target. If we hit a certain goal, no, we make a Pell Jam cheese-based <laughs> cover band. <laughs> Um, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Kayla, Kayla Drescher. Please and let us know, only to confirm that you are, in fact, a direct relative of Miss Fine. May I thank some people Sorry, as well? Sorry, Miss Fine. Fine. Um, I would love to thank, again, from California. Whoa, oh we're goodness. on a hot streak this here. This time, from Wilmington. Oh. I would love to thank... Osvaldo Garcia. Oh, what an amazing That's name, three Osvaldo. Three great names so Osvaldo far. Osvaldo Garcia. Wilmington I've heard of. Why do I know Wilmington? I don't know. I've heard of all these places so far. Isn't that f- it's such a funny thing. I've been to California for less than a week. <laughs> but just because it's in everything, I've heard of... Yeah. I've, I've heard of so many, um, even small places in California. I assume it's a small place. I have no idea. Right, on. I think there's a few Wilmingtons. There's a North Carolina, right? Wilmington. There's an Ohio. Well, Matt, what does uh, Osvaldo find in the plane? 
Oh, from uh, Wilmington, uh, Osvaldo finds a big bag of unpopped popcorn, but with a battery-powered popcorn popper. So good. I and do they love popcorn. Do they have batteries there? Or do they have to hike to the fuselage? <laughs> yeah, I'm just being so cruel. Battery-operated, no batteries in the <laughs> dude. So, oh, so close. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, if they can make fire, you can pop them, can't you? You just need yeah. heat. And they'll do the job. A but. friend got me a popcorn machine as a kind of as a joke present because we'd been talking about how much we loved popcorn, and she was like, "You know, you won't use it much. I use it all the time. Love it. Right. Love a bit of popcorn. Anyway, I, it's a little. I, I'm fact. a big popcorn fan as well. A little bit of butter. Too salty at the cinemas. Last time oh, I had no, it, get don't get to me. the cinema all that. Get you that like the saltiness. Me. Fucking love the salt. Love it, but they—they're trying to sell you those sixteen-dollar jumbo drinks. Then I'll get them. I don't give a shit. Wow, I'm going all out of the movies. I'm having <laughs> avocado. Nothing <laughs> at all. What? I'm rich. I've looked up Wilmington, LA. Uh, notable people, uh, no one I've heard of. Actually, no one I've heard of who we mentioned on a Patreon bonus episode a while ago. Thai Trang, uh, who played the first Yellow Ranger in the Mighty Morphin Power oh, Rangers. fantastic. We did The Curse of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, a Patreon bonus episode a while back. But the name that really stood out to me, haven't heard of him, but former pitcher for the Oakland Athletics and the Cleveland Indians, Eric Plunk. Eric Plunk. <laughs> Eric Plunk. <laughs> oh, well, that's just lovely. What a great name. And it's like a pitcher named Plunk. Plunk it right there. Oh. Oh, that's good the stuff. Plunker. It writes itself. That feels good. That does feel good. It feels right. Um, I would also love to thank... Thank you very much, Osvaldo. Please enjoy your popcorn. I would love to thank from Marblehead, Massachusetts. Correctly said. Uh, <laughs> thank you. For getting that right. I would love to thank John Rains. Rains eat. Oh, John Rains. John Rains. I, uh, I would... And these, they're all finding at the same place. I'd love it. I'd love for them to be able to sh- share around. Oh, that'd be nice. So, so far, there's a lot of snacky stuff. Yeah. So uh, John finds a big bag of flour oh. and a mixing pot. Okay, good. <laughs> so with a bit of water and a thermomixer, he can mean? make damper. Right? It's just water and flour. I think so. Yeah, a bit of salt for taste. Mm. Get that from the ocean. Get a lot of salt for me, thanks. <laughs> so you get a little damper, a lot of nice um, sort of a Yum. simple bread. And yeah, that'll go very nicely with the feta perhaps. There we oh. go. Someone needs to find some avocado and some Vegemite. Well, something that we haven't mentioned is this deserted island has a beautiful array of vegetation. Uh, you've got banana trees. You've got avocado plants. Uh, you've got apples, apple trees, mangoes, mangoes. Yes. Oh, yum. You've got every, pretty much everything you want. So you don't have to worry. All those sort of uh, bits and pieces you can put on the side. A beautiful cos lettuce field. Delightful. There's a pizza hut. <laughs> <laughs> a Starbucks, which, you know, is a Melbourne coffee snob. Not wrapped about, but I'll but take, it. take it. That's all we've got. Yeah. All right. I'll have a caramel macchiato. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a real snob. That's why I drink almost exclusively dare iced coffee. <laughs> Dave, bring it home. Thank you. All right, a couple, couple of people. fantastic names we've got to read out now. From Monmouth, Oregon, again in the US, far from six in the US, we've got Laura Killip. Oh, Laura Killip. Fantastic. Laura Killip finds. Come on, Jess, you can do this. What has she got? Oh, what have I start with? A bag of. 
meant to say brains. That's okay. That's, no, people, it's not. Some no. people find that a delicacy. That's true. She finds a bag of burger buns. Oh, yum. I love a burger. Like a brioche? <laughs> a brioche. That's great. So A um, six-pack of brioche. So, obviously, uh, she wants to eat them pretty quickly uh, yep. for going style. And uh, complimenting beautifully John's um, uh, fresh bread he can make. Yep. So, uh, but what you can put in those brioche buns is all this beautiful vegetation. Yeah, and obviously there's um, sausages growing as well. <laughs> yeah, there's a sausage, sausage <laughs> there's bush, little hamburger bush. Yeah. So you get your little patties. There's a sausage forest there. You know, there's a sausage much before. like the federal government's <laughs> cabinet ministry. <laughs> Bloody old sausage forest up there. Let me tell you. Oh, wow. That's great. That's good stuff. Sausage Forest is fantastic. We got him again. Got him again, those wow. bloody clowns up on Capitol Hill. Wow. How do you say so relevant? <laughs> <laughs> I'd finally like to thank from uh, the Australian Capital Territory where oh. those clowns meet. Yeah. Well, where they meet like once or twice a year, those lazy bastards. With all their yachts. Yeah, where they're not making $6 million a week. <laughs> My taxpayer money. I would like to thank. You're um, paying six million in tax a week. That's <laughs> yeah. How much are you? <laughs> I am one of. I am on Australia's rich list. <laughs> well, you know when you get that rich, you're meant to find loopholes. You're doing it wrong. Well, I have found loopholes, and that's the how I could get the tax down. Yeah, okay. That's how much wow. money I got. Holy moly! I would like to thank uh, from uh, ACT Alison Widgnan. Alison Widgnan. Do we think W I J? Or Wynan. 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 Wine and dining. <laughs> and what what is Alison whining and dining on? Well, she's found a little basket, a picnic basket, <gasps> with a couple of beautiful wines uh, from the region, as well as uh, an assortment of cheeses, dips, and water crackers. Oh, my God. That's my perfect Friday night, let me tell you that. Yeah, you love a, a, like a little bit of a spread. Yes, my friend and I, she lives quite local, so we take turns. Going to each other's houses and we just drink wine and eat cheese and watch trash on Netflix. I love it. And it's the best. That does sound pretty good to me. It does sound really great. I've got to tell you, Alison's standing there with a, an entire basket of cheese. Kayla feels like a bit of a fucking idiot. She's just gone <laughs> fed up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and John's like, I made damper. You can put some cheese on the damper. They're like, we've got water crackers, John. It's fine. <laughs> It's so I'm good. not putting it's like, che- this good cheese on ooh, your damper. I, I've got feta. Well, I mean, I've got 17 types of cheese here. Yeah. Three of which are different types of feta. No so. one just eats feta on sorry, a cracker. Sorry, Kayla. Amazing. Oh, yeah. She'd be she'd be in the power there. She's oh. got a strong hand. Oh, yeah. Some of these cheeses have been aging <laughs> for decades. <laughs> They're disgusting. <laughs> Look at that! I really mold. should have had them by now. <laughs> I've been saving them for a special occasion. Uh, thanks to everyone that supports the show. Uh, we really, really appreciate it so much. Um, there's one last little special group we like to thank: the Triptych Club. Mm. Dave, you want to I- explain what that is? Jess, you want to let us know what they've got? While well, I just double check if we've got anyone on the door list tonight. Absolutely. Right. So this is for people that have supported the show at the shout out level or above for three consecutive years mm-hmm. or more. 36 straight months of support, never dropped off, and f- for their ongoing support, we'd like to welcome them into the special Triptych Club, which is a bar slash club slash function venue. I always- 
always imagine it more like an airport lounge. Oh, <laughs> nice. You know, like you I'm, feel fancy, but it's still a bit shit. That's fine. I picture it like a jazz club. Right. Well, now I will. A lot of velvet curtains and stuff. I should and... have clarified that sooner. I wasn't, I'm picturing a lot of booths. Oh, yeah. I'm picturing booths as well. Booths. Boobs. Mm. A lot of, <laughs> lot, of, <laughs> lot of booths and boobs. No, um, just booths. Figure out which one I said. <laughs> And uh, Jess, usually before we, Matt checks to see if anyone's being welcomed in, because once you're in, you're in for life. Mm. Um, so you get to mingle, and you, sometimes there's some canapes, yep. sometimes there's something to drink. This time there is a, um, you know what's kind of trendy at the moment, um, just having like a, a grazing platter. So it's got like cheeses, bits of salami, pretzels are thrown in there. Oh, yeah. Biscuits, a bit of fruit, like everything. It's just, and it's beautifully arranged. There's a grazing platter. Um, drinks wise. Um, Love a grazing platter. That's great. Yes. I had a little too much to drink over the weekend. So the concept of alcohol is uh, making me a little queasy. So. Just so you know, last week when you, you weren't here, <laughs> Jess, um, our good friend Jackson Bailey filled in for you. And here's. Uh, Beautiful treat for the guests was water. <laughs> so, um, really, yeah. water. We said a cocktail. He said water. What was the food? It was something bad as well. Grass, grass, covered in salt, which had to do with the episode. To be oh, fair, oh yes, I do remember that. You leave for one week, and the lounge goes to shit. Yeah, that's well, and funnily enough, no one was on the door list last week. Great. Thank God. I think oh, they'd all they maybe all heard. Funnily enough, I've thrown out all that grass and water. We don't have water here unless you want it. You can have a water. Um, but I'm thinking like uh, we we all need a bit of a break from the booze, so maybe some virgin daiquiris or something. Oh, yum! You know. So yeah. fruity and yum, and, and and I still have that social element of having a drink, but without the the headache tomorrow. Yeah, you know for I mean? sure. Yeah, I'm, that's great. And I, we should say, obviously, every every week there's always virgin options, but Absolutely. we just thought as a group, everyone had a chat. Matt has, of course, assured that there are virgin options. <laughs> and if you give, if you if you sort of nod and wink at me, I got a little bottle of whiskey that I can uh, dip into the virgins if you. If you so desire. Uh, just the drinks. We're talking about the drinks. <laughs> yes. Dip into the... Like, okay. I can get my bottle of whiskey and dip into the virgins. Dip it into the vir... Yeah, no, you're right. That was poorly phrased. Mm. I was I was saving you. I wasn't making fun. I was uh, making fun. <laughs> All right. I well, there are three fun. three new inductees on the door list today getting in behind the and velvet you, And rope. you know what's the, the soundtrack this week? Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah, what, who's Live on stage. The man. The myth. The magic. Ricky Martin. Oh, oh I was going to wow. say Eddie Fetter. So, all right, Ricky <laughs> Martin. Ricky's Martin. better. Yeah, Ricky Eddie Martin. Fetter, the cheese Eddie Vetter cover. Ricky Martin ours. will be playing the music of Pearl Jam. Oh, wow. wow. I'd love to hear that. Feeling. Yeah. Great combo. That sounds fantastic. Uh, so, there are three inductees this week from. Uh, Port St. Lucie or Lucy in Florida, United States. Elvis Nolasco from Elvis. Castle Hill in New South Wales, Australia. Ben Campbell. There's a good guys there. And it's <laughs> <laughs> one of the good guys. You just get to remember a lot of the what was the, the place stores? Castle Hill. Oh, fantastic! And from Yinna in Victoria, Australia, it's <gasps> Multi- Matt Dennis. Multiple good guys. Wow, in that state. Uh, Matt Dennis, <laughs> Matt welcome Dennis. in. Behind the rope, enjoy your daiquiri, enjoy Ricky Martin playing the music. Ben and Elvis. Jeez, we got it off to a hot start name-wise and ended up with Matt Dennis. (laughs) 
<laughs> no offense, Matt. Obviously, I you am there with that, you for yeah. sort of beige names. Dennis Station is my favorite. Oh, I train love that. Station. Yeah, there's a train station in Melbourne called Dennis. It's called Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Station. Dennis. 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 Like Digger someone that would write into the age compl- complaint. <laughs> the Green Guide signed Dennis, Dennis Station. station. 66. <laughs> Dennis. Actually, I don't. Matt Dennis has grown on me. I like it as a name. Yeah, I'm also okay. a double first name guy. I can, um, yeah, totally relate. Matt Dennis. Actually, Matt Dennis is. That's, that's more interesting than Matt Stewart, isn't it? Sorry, Elvis. Yeah. Sorry, well, Elvis. I don't think. Overshadowed by I don't Matt think Dennis. it's beaten Elvis Nolasco. <laughs> that's an amazing Which name. Which I can only assume is a fake name. And Benny Campbell. Very solid name as well. Well done, all. Um,. Yeah, so that, that closes out the Patreon section of the show this week. Really, all we've got to do now is wrap up. Um, maybe if anyone needs reminders, we've got a web series going this uh, for the next three weeks. That's right, episode seven coming out this Friday. And if you want to be involved in the uh, premiere, anyone can jump on uh, the Stupid Old channel. Uh, we, uh, we, should we say when we're doing it this week? We're going to go for the same time, Friday night, midnight? Sure. Yeah. So that's end of Friday, Melbourne time. Um, Dave pointed out that some people might confuse that for, um, actually, that's Thursday night is midnight. Friday. That is true. That yeah. is, it, I genuinely was confused. So <laughs> I, I was that idiot. <laughs> you were the um, actually. Well, you, yeah, you're sort of the idiot, but also definitely. The smartest one yeah. here, for sure. Um, yes. Uh, backhanded compliments. So I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, uh, you can get involved on the Patreon at patreon.com slash pod. Bunch of different rewards, including um, bonus episodes, uh, the Facebook group, which is a real nice, fun place to be. Probably the nicest place on Facebook. And uh, anything, anything else we need to mention? I should say, I'm having some real trouble with Patreon. I'm, t- I'm uh, going to send them a message today, but apparently the welcome messages aren't Sending to everyone. So if you have been sitting waiting patiently on the fat quote or question section waiting for me to get in contact, there's a form link that you're meant to get when you um, sign up. If that hasn't happened for you, please send me a message on Patreon and I'll send you that link um, and I'm going to try and close that um, annoying little quirk in the system. And we're also, we got we had a meeting last time. We've got a heap of exciting things we're going to be working on over the next few months. Yeah. So stay tuned. Um, stay tuned. What an annoying sort of vague bit of sizzle that is. But <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm feeling really excited about the Dugong world right now, as I have been constantly for the last five years. And we have uh, rebranded as Dugong World. Yeah, worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no mats. And uh, I'm still not sure why they've <laughs> put that bit in brackets. Wrote, no, it's Dugong Worldwide, no boys allowed. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, Hand over your business cards. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, get in touch. Uh, we do go on pod on all of the social media. Do go on pod at gmail.com. Our website is do go on pod.com. Everything is there. And uh, wash your butt. Wash your butt. And hopefully wash we'll see you on the live streams. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. Only two and a half weeks till the first one starts if you're listening to this one. One of them comes out. We'll, on the 250th, we'll have a, the second half will be a. Uh, party exclusive to the stream each week there'll be a, it's the episodes go for about an hour and then there's about the same amount of time again which is exclusive to the stream um, so obviously you can just listen to the episode next week for free but if you want to get the full 3D experience all 3Ds mm. I think of us as 3 dickheads um, and uh, yeah that bonus stuff that only happens in the stream one week we'll 
get Dave to do a quiz. One's going to be a party, and we'll think of a few other things as well. We'll do a Q&A and whatnot. So get involved. Links to all that stuff in the bloody show notes. Yep. Alrighty. Well, on that note, I'd like to say thank you so much for listening. And until next week, I'll say goodbye. Laters. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.